Coming to you from high atop our studios in the San Francisco Bay Area, you're listening to Tech Move. This is episode 33. In today's show, we will discuss the newly released cameras from Canon. We'll also be talking about sensor cleaning, lenses, expansion docks, and hard drives. And a riveting announcement from Rod Louie, which may get him kicked off of the Panasonic Board of Directors. All this and so much more. Well, I'm Rod Louie, and with me is Keith Moreau. Get ready. It's time for another exciting episode of Tech Move. Let's go! like to welcome you again to Tech Move. This is episode 33. It is the one and only Rod Louie along with the majestic Keith Moreau. <laughs> Keith, how are you, my friend? I'm I'm majestic now. You are majestic. Uh, just, just, just happened. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll be knighting you in our next episode. <laughs> Keith, thank you very much for joining us here. Um, what, a, what an action-packed episode we have for you there has been so much new stuff that has come out since our last episode i don't think we're even going to be able to cover absolutely everything but there are just some things that we need to touch base on and uh i i know you're excited about talking about a bunch of things uh, and I am uh, very excited to hear your thoughts on some of the, especially some of the things I've taken notes on. Mm -hmm. Let's um, let's kind of get right into it, Keith. Uh, there's some new stuff here, and I want to. Uh, you had put something in our show notes about something about sensor cleaning. Now, not the most exciting thing to lead <laughs> off a podcast with, but. I'm thinking of it more like, let's get it out of the way, rather than uh, dwelling on it later on as a small thing. Keith, let's talk about your thoughts on sensor cleaning, shall we? Uh, so, with the advent of large sensors, uh, f where you can remove the lens, and particularly the um, the new mirrorless cameras, the sensor is actually pretty close to the mount. Right. And... Uh, and I don't know uh, if you've ever experienced too much sensor dust or dirt uh, with your uh, GH1. I probably other... have, but uh, it's so <laughs> caked up with uh, w w with carpet uh, remnant that uh, I don't really notice. But go on. Uh, anyway, so I I have actually experienced in the field uh, dust issues, like where I was just looking through and I went, wait a second. Uh, what's this big blob and it's not moving and uh, you know look at the lens the lens is totally clean and even take the lens off and then just aim it at something bright and you see this <laughs> this big dot thing this or like something. darker area right um and you can even you can even really verify it by just uh taking any lens and and stopping it down so it's got super longed up the field um you know, like stop it to F22 or 32 or whatever the max is, and mm -hmm. then just aim it at a white wall, and then you'll see all these specs um, if, you're, if your sensor's dirty, you know, if everything else is really clean. Uh, sure. So 
it, and it just inevitably happens. And you can just actually see it on the sensor, you know, if you use a magnifying glass. So there's a couple things that I've gotten recently. Over the years, I've had different techniques. I mostly just blew it out with some air, like a, a squeeze, like a rocket blower. Right. And just face face the camera down. By the way, you should always, you, you know this, Rod, but for the people that don't, whenever the sensor has a chance of being exposed to the air, always point the camera downward. I do do that. Uh, th- th- I, I figured that that would be a good common sense thing. Uh, me personally, my technique is spitting onto my sensor <laughs> and then using a uh, very fine grade of sandpaper to dry it off. Well, that's good. And, uh, you know, maybe people out there should I, try that. I get but that filmic I... look with it, with that. <laughs> uh, some go people on. do that to their lenses, I think. Right. Um, go on. Go ahead with your real thing. Go ahead. Um, so, so one of the things that I got recently, um, it's actually a cheap little thing. It's called a Movo um, sensor magnifier and illuminator. And it's, it's just basically a loop with a little set of LEDs around the end, so it kind of like it illuminates stuff that's in front of it. So it's a, it's a magnifying glass where you can just look through it and kind of mag... I don't know. What the, it's pretty it's pretty powerful. It's maybe 3X. I don't know. Um, but you, when you have your sensor... When you have your lens off and your sensor exposed, you just put this in front uh, and kind of look click carefully, and it illuminates the, the sensor so you can see dust on it or blobs of dirt or whatever. And so, how do you, how do you spell this item? What what, what are you calling it? Movo. You I'm said? Ca- yeah, M O V O. Um, I can. I actually got it on Amazon. I think pretty cheap. I don't. Th- I don't think it was too expensive. Let me just. Yeah, Movo LCT seven X SLR sensor loop with dust illuminating bright LEDs. Mm-hmm. So Movo sells a lot of cheapo camera stuff. Um. They also sell a motorized static charge sensor cleaning brush, which I got, but I'm afraid to use. Well, they have a lot of stuff. Movo has a lot of stuff. Yeah. And their stuff's pretty inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Um, what did I pay for this particular thing? This is this is the thing out of all the stuff I've actually used. I think I, I paid 30 bucks for it. So not super cheap, but not the most expensive thing. Right. It, it's. I mean, it's useful because instead of, you know, you could probably see this stuff with if, if you have really good close vision. But but having a magnifying glass helps, and then the illumination just makes it that much easier because it's right right there. You can aim a flashlight and just use a regular magnifying glass and probably see the same thing, mm. or be outside, you know, in a dusty environment, <laughs> yeah, or something like that. Anyway, so that's what you do, and you can see the dots. Um, if you don't want to go through the whole thing about taking a photo on a white wall, which is probably the best way to do it, um, but if you just want to do a quick and dirty, like <clears throat> in the field or just before you do a gig. It's what I'm doing um, once in a while now. <clears throat> and then you actually have to clean the sensor once you see the dust. And you invariably will see some stuff on there. It's right. just kind of unavoidable. So there's a bunch of um, solutions that are like kind of in order of uh, ease and and complication to really complicated. And there's a chance you'll destroy your camera. So <laughs> Yeah, probably like what I've done with mine. So probably the easiest thing is to use the built-in, if there is one, a built-in sensor vibrator that's in your camera. And most high-end SLRs or mirrorless cameras have this. Yeah, that's a new, that's a new feature that has been introduced uh, uh, fairly recently, though. Is that is that correct? Um, honestly, it's been around, like, all the Canons that I had had it. <clears throat> oh, e- even the old 5D? Yeah. The 5D Mark II that I got. It I had the, that, huh? The 7D had oh, it. Wow. I'm not sure if... 
not positive the 7D had it, but I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty positive the 5D had it because I actually used it before to clean. Mm. They actually have it sometimes where it's an automatic thing where it just does it every time you shut your camera off. Mm. Um, but if you do it, you can also do it manually. Um, in the case of the A7s, I don't, I think it does it once in a while, like it's got a timer on it, but you can manually evoke it from the menu. It's just called sensor cleaning. It's one of the setup menu items. And what it does, it just vibrates the sensor for a second. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, that's all it does. Mm-hmm. So you just you just have your sensor facing down. You could even have your lens cap on if you want, but it's probably better if it's off so that any dust can can leave the camera. Um, and just hold it down, click this thing, and then turn off your camera and turn it back on. So that's like that's the first thing. That's to shake off anything that's not sticking too hard. <laughs> right. And then the next thing is to use... Like uh, gum or something like that. Some like very unsticky gum. <laughs> um, yeah. Speaking of gum, well, I'll tell you about one of the solutions, which is not too far off from gum. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, the next thing is to use air to blow it out right. while you're while it's facing down, and probably people do that all the time. And that's what I've done in the field when I've I've noticed it. Sometimes you don't notice it until later, and that's annoying because then you see this big blotch on your on your video, and you can't really get rid of it. Mm. So. It could actually ruin your shoot if you're not careful. Sure. Um, but one of the things, and then you can also get these somewhat complicated uh, sensor cleaning solutions, which include a little wet swab. You basically get this kind of shovel-shaped piece of plastic. You know, it's kind of like a spork, but for a sensor. Yeah. And <laughs> and it's got a little flat kind of kind of a flat chiseled end with a little bit of fabric on it or something to hold some solution a glorified q-tip essentially it's kind of like a flat Mm q-tip like if you took a q-tip and just smashed it in a vice right and and had a flat kind of speed end sure and you just wet it with solution this special solution and then you drag it across the sensor just once Mm -hmm. and that hopefully will lift up whatever and then it dries clear and i think i've done that once or twice in my life i haven't done it too often um and and you have to get this you have to get sensor cleaner and solutions that are that are actually made for your camera or compatible with your camera. If you get the wrong kind, it could actually mess up your camera. Really? So you, yeah. So you have to be really careful. For example, um, you have to get the right frame size. Mm-hmm. You know, the the, the little um, spades are just the right width of the sensor. Like if they're too small or too large, they will leave streaks along the edges. Mm. It, you know, kind of like a squeegee when you squeegee sure. a window. Right. So it's kind of like that. Right. But if your squeegee is exactly the same size as the window, right? And it's kind of what you're doing. You're basically squeegeeing like the sensor, and and, and, and you're doing it in one swipe. Just one swipe, and, and, and that's and, it. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you go back and forth, it makes it worse. Sure. So anyway, so that's kind of annoying because that's, I mean, that's that's for the really worst worst case scenario. I think mm-hmm. if you have something that just won't come off with other means. But recently, there's been some uh, talk about these these sticky sensors. And you were talking about gum before? Yep. Oh, it's kind of like gum on a stick. <laughs> oh, really? It's like, you know, you can pick up a penny or something that's sure. dropped down a, uh-huh. you know, the sewer. It's yep. kind of like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Done that many times, yes. <laughs> yeah, I know. You know those pennies. You're right. Or quarters. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, this is, it's basically like having a gummy beer at the end of a stick. Mm. But it's a very expensive gummy beer. So, <laughs> but, but but then couldn't that leave residue on the uh, on the sensor with this gummy material? Of course, it, it, of course, they're saying, "Oh, it'll never do that." I'm sure, but I mean, I'm sure there's a possibility that that could happen. It's um, 
it it is a possibility and you have to get the right uh the right sensor i mean the right um material they sell different um materials of the sticky stuff for different sensors because every sensor has a little coating on it sometimes it's a piece of plastic sometimes it's really thin sometimes it's sticky on its own you know there's different compositions so you have to get a compatible composition so if you use the wrong sticky gummy bear on your sensor it it will leave stuff on it or yeah. it won't be effective so yeah. there <clears throat> so for example the one that's recommended now for the for the Sony's which I'm using this on pretty much all the time now is called the iLead SCK1B center dry dry cleaning stick sticky kit <laughs> oh, wow okay yeah and it's basically like a square gummy bear at the end of a stick you know don't eat it though yeah <laughs> just just use it on your sensor <laughs> <laughs> right nice it looks t- it actually looks pretty tasty because it's a kind of a red cherry yes translucent cherry so color. don't leave it around children <laughs> no don't leave it with your yeah, dog or yeah. kid right their tongue will be very clean but, right. right um yeah so you basically just um you look at the sensor and you just kind of dab it all around the sensor and it picks mm-hmm. up the dust. It's kind of like using a piece of tape to pick up dust. What you is know? the name of this product you're saying? It's, it's called iLead SCK-1B. Mm-hmm. And I, I, think I, see, I, I think I see it. It looks like a glorified lollipop. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like Pretty a lollipop. Pretty expensive. Stuff. 40 I bucks. I know. It's kind of amazingly expensive. Wow. But it comes in a beautiful aluminum tin, though, it looks like, for... For this, uh, for this thing, if I'm looking at the right one, yeah, you are looking. It does come in a nice little tin, little box yeah. with a little tray in it and a little yeah. cap for it. It's actually, yeah. I was kind of surprised how professionally packaged it was. Well, for forty bucks, it better be. It better come with a guy to swab it down for you too. For crying out loud, <laughs> gee whiz! Well, you know, it's it, it, it's expensive, but all these other solutions are just as expensive, and this one is yeah. the, in a way the easiest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Let me ask you this, Keith. How uh, uh how often are are you cleaning your sensor uh, pretty much after every shoot? No, I I do not. I'm I'm actually cleaning it. Well, if I did it, I would clean it before the shoot. Before the never, shoot. Yeah, before the shoot if I if I have a few minutes. Um or just maybe the night before. Is it Be- uh is it a good practice? You, you know, look, uh I like to pride myself on knowing a little bit of uh, playing guitar. You are as well, Keith. You know, we're supposed to wipe down our guitar necks from the oils in our hands and all that material and stuff. That you're supposed to do that after every time you play, correct? Which, I don't. Which do, I personally, <laughs> I don't do that at all. I in, in in fact, I don't even own a rag. How about that? I don't even own a rag, let alone you know wiping something down. So how often are you recommending that we clean our sensors? Um, I guess I would say maybe once a week or two. Wow. You know, I would say if before a really important gig, I would do it. Mm-hmm. You know, because you just never know. Right. You, you just never know. And, and you don't want that blob of dust to mess up your shoot. Sure. It, it seems kind of like something that is easy to forgive but you know you're spending all these money on lenses and high 4k cameras or whatever and and then you have this blob of dust that's you know messing stuff up i would imagine too if you're doing a lot of lens changes that's when it's even more important to do that yeah yeah and i think that the sony cameras because the e-mount has the sensor pretty close to the 
the actual part where you mount the bayonet mount it's not that far back you know it's not it's not really far 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 in like it is on the dslrs right. so the dslrs ha- are the sensors way far back in the camera because of the mirror that has to be in front yeah and the mirror has to be you know an inch an inch or something of extra space so that that's why dslrs are so much deeper well that kind of also helps keep dust from getting in there as easily but since these these sony's they're they're right up there they're right in front it's actually quite quite a bit easier for the dust to get in so sure. it just and, happens and probably be more visible because of that because it's so close. um well it's it, it, the good thing is that it's easier to see and clean yeah um as far as the visibility of the actual dust itself um you mean because it'll focus more on it right. i think it's possible maybe because it's closer to the lens i don't know how that works from a physics point of view but yeah. um anyway uh, this eye lead kind of little blobby thing is really really good it's very easy like it'll take like a minute for you to clean your system and especially if you have this other um, tool to kind of see the results easily the uh, magnifying loop so i guess i would just say if you, if you have to get one cleaning thing and you don't want to do all the wet cleaning all that stuff Get, get at least get this eye lead thing okay or something like it okay yeah yeah all right that's so good. anyway that's my sensor cleaning story good and i'm, I'm sticking to it <laughs> <laughs> okay well that's the eye lead <laughs> camera sensor cleaning kit uh that is available at your um local retailer online uh, <laughs> your local. 40 bucks 40 it's bucks, actually I, I think i actually paid like 60 bucks for mine but since then i think they've gotten more popular yeah, yeah. and um Okay. Well, hey, uh, lesson learned. Lesson learned. That's a that's a good thing. Uh, okay. Hey, uh, I want to move on to something. You know, we, we are recording uh, right now on a Friday, and uh, on Wednesday, Apple had uh, one of their Apple special events on September the seventh, where uh, they announced. Uh, mostly uh three big things and the three things that they introduced were the iphone 7 7 plus the apple watch and the series 2 um products and Mm -hmm. the world famous airpods the wireless airpods that were there Mm -hmm. um keith i don't know how much we're going to get into this but the one big thing is again we got no new macs Mm. Uh, which, yeah. uh, uh, you, you know, I mean, none of the rumor mills had Max projected as, as, as being discussed or anything like that. But uh, since the inception of the iMac garbage can, <laughs> nothing has really come out after that. Um, you mean the Mac Pro garbage can? The Mac Pro uh, yeah. garbage can. Uh-huh. Um what are I your thoughts you could, on that? You could probably use the iMac for a garbage can, too. But it wouldn't hold <laughs> Mine's nice and zippy. Remember that? Mine's <laughs> nice and zippy. Mine's okay. Although, uh, mine's a mid-2010 uh, iMac. Mm-hmm. 
I'm waiting for it. I, I'm sure it's any second where it'll be labeled in that obsolete uh, thing and will no longer be supported for anything. So uh, I'm waiting. That's any second. They're at like what 2009s and older. I think right now is that it? Okay, is is the obsolete IMAX? So hey, within another few months, might not be dead in the water. Dead in the water. <laughs> Just great, which is what I'm looking forward to. Fantastic. <laughs> Uh, but yeah. hey, your, your your thoughts? No new Max. Uh, you want to talk about in, in, anything that grabbed you with regards to the Apple event? Um, well, I'm kind of intrigued by the the new iPhone Seven, actually. Of course, yeah. That, I mean that that, that uh, what uh, the dual lens thing that they've got going on there. Yeah, the dual lens and has some kind of post processing in it that somehow simulates extra shallow depth of field, which Correct. is pretty cool. Yeah. That some of the sounds... picture, the, the the pictures that they that they were showing were look pretty good. Yeah, I'm. I, I have to research about how it actually works, and maybe we'll talk about that in a, a coma segment in the future. But yes, <laughs> yes. But but just the fact that you can maybe approximate some some larger sensor work is pretty amazing. Yeah. So it's just worth getting that that iPhone just for that. So I'm I'm going to be putting my order in for it. Are you really? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Why, why not? not? Well, I'm on the I'm on the 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 Apple uh, upgrade ripoff program now, so I can just <laughs> oh, oh you're on the yearly off. oh you're yeah. are you are you on the yearly oh so I had there you go. I had to I okay. couldn't I I couldn't I couldn't get on the 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 buying track anymore right 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 yeah because you, yeah. you would have to wait too long and all this kind of stuff yeah I'd have to wait every two years and yeah. I, I couldn't possibly wait another an extra year with this current phone because it, 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 <laughs> no, th- that would be unacceptable. <laughs> Yeah. So, are are, are are you on the uh, are, are you on the six uh, uh, six plus or uh, or the six? What is it? Six S. Yeah, the six the six plus S. The very very latest. The very very. Oh, okay. So so yeah. You did get the original six, then you got mm-hmm. the six S, and mm-hmm. now you're gonna. So every iteration, you're gonna get a new one. Hopefully, I'm gonna just get a new iPhone all the time. Good. That's, I've that's you know you make this little pledge. Right to to Apple exactly when you first uh, buy an Apple product right uh, and then to get to the inner circle you know you pledge to to get a new <laughs> iPhone every year right the, right. the latest and the biggest that's so right. I'm going to get the 256 gigabyte one. well you and, and you bring up a very interesting <laughs> point there that the, their storage capacity is incredible now yeah incredible. Now, now, yeah. now their uh, uh, their smallest capacity phone is going to be the 64, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it's, it's that really part great. is pretty cool. Yeah, really, of course really that great. stuff gets used up oh, sure. uh, pretty pretty darn quick when oh, you're shooting 4K. Oh, especially with this dual camera thing. Yeah, and the 4K video. So I think I have a choice. I I can keep my current iPhone and just pay it off. I think it's maybe another six months, and then actually own it, mm-hmm. and then and then start with a new kind of rental leasing rental program, right? Or rent to buy or whatever, right? Um. So I'm not sure what's economically the better choice. It might be better for me to keep paying and just kind of get some equity into the phone and then sell it, mm-hmm. and then have an extra iPhone 6s Plus in case I lose the seven or something. Right. I still have a nice big phone to use. So I'm I'm thinking about that too. I don't know. Yeah, I I I mean you know I, the six I I I love my six plus. Uh, I wasn't captivated enough to to move to the S. But yeah. the seven, 
um, is pretty interesting, but I, 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 I think I still have another year um, on my contract, So, and I will not do a yearly upgrade. So I will wait for the iPhone 8 to come out, and um, which will have three lenses, I'm told, um, uh, on it. I, I'm, I'm told that not only will it have uh, three lenses, but it'll also have a live secretary to answer my calls for me uh, that will accompany me everywhere I go. So that's that's what my insiders are telling me. Um, new iOS, right? Is, is, yeah, is, I, I I don't I don't actually know the you know the the great stuff about the new iOS though. Uh, I I think a lot of it is going to have to do with uh with how the new 7 7 plus kind of interacts with the with the OS. So I think okay. in, in that way it's it, you know it's going to do a, a bunch of things with messaging and emojis and all this kind of stuff and uh-huh. oh emojis yeah which are very important. They're very important. It's well yeah. it's the new language. It's the new language exactly yeah. correct. Exactly. You can pretty much express any any emotion or thought in emojis. Uh well so are you disappointed? No new Macs. No new. No new com- real computers. I mean, okay, they got the Apple Watch Series Two. They got the new AirPods, which uh, I understand is getting lambasted in the social media world. The one hundred and fifty dollars um, Bluetooth headphones that they right sell. exactly that that yeah that they look, probably don't they kind of look like dangling earrings. A little bit. Oh, really? Okay. I, I don't know. They just, you, you know what it is? It's regular white uh, uh, ear pods that Apple gave on, you know, for the, free, for free, just without the cord. Okay. It seems to look like that. Yeah, but it still kind of looks like it has a cord. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. And they just fall out of ear, just like the other ones. Right. Okay. Right. 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 I, they, they don't seem really any different than hearing aids, frankly. <laughs> I think. They, I think. They, I think hearing aids. Look, you know, they are a pattern. I just came up with a brilliant idea, and and our listeners can take. I, I, just give me a little credit. You don't have to give me monetary credit. I think the next big thing are hearing aids. In full stereo, Bluetooth capable. I think that's the next big thing. I th- I think I think I think you're right. I think hearing right. aids slash headphones. Right. I mean, there there you go. I mean, you know the. Uh, I think we need to patent it, we, Rodney. <laughs> I think I'm going. I think to. we need to patent it I, before I, the patent trolls who all listen to Tech Move for new right. ideas. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Those dirty guys thinking of my ideas. Stay What's away the tech from move? They're always thinking of stuff, and they never patent. <laughs> They're <it>. geniuses. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So again, no new Macs. A little bit of a change in the iOS, and a few new products. That uh, oh, oh, but the the major announcement. What was that? I missed it. Uh, Super Mario. <laughs> Super Mario is available. <laughs> That's right. For iOS, it's it- quite exciting. And uh, and that gal, uh, what's her name, Sia, closes out the event. Oh, did she? Did, I, you know, I you... just I only got to the Super Mario stuff, and I couldn't watch anymore. Right, so. right. I I, <laughs> I I I barely got through the Sia thing. I that you know the funny thing, uh, and and folks out there in in tech move land, uh, uh, tell me if I'm right or wrong. I think Tim Cook thought that the dance performer was Sia. And not, oh really? Yeah, and and not the one on the mic. So, 
Uh, I I don't know. (laughs) He was, he seemed a little, well, at least what I saw of him, he seemed a little nervous. He did. He did to me too. Yeah, he seemed, I think he's, I think he's trying to, kind of trying to look, look and act like Steve Jobs, but he doesn't quite have that showmanship level although i like him he seems like a nice person i i i think he i think he seems like a nice person too but i think that what what happens is that he's he's relying a lot on those teleprompters yeah he was looking at that teleprompter the whole time and it was a little distracting actually. right i i didn't find it very natural on it 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 seems as if maybe they had like last minute changes or something like that that he had to change the script but uh Yeah, it just seemed like he wasn't as prepared. Right. Um, I think the prompter should be just like if you really forget where you are. Yeah, not, I mean, not how about the it how, how, how about the you know the old three by five bullet point card type of thing? That would have been good. Yeah. But. Although I I kind of I enjoyed that little film that started it out. You know the, the where they're in the car singing karaoke and picking up different people. Oh and stuff. yeah, yeah. That yeah, was yeah. actually pretty cute. Yeah. That yeah. was that was a little more. I felt like that was more touchy feely than pretty much any other apple ceo has been i and I, uh, I like that i i, I want to know why uh what, what's the guy's name johnny i what's his name johnny the 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 designer, the designer? yeah johnny I, johnny ive right yeah why does he never appear live um is i think he has some kind of strange uh skin disorder which makes him have to live in a cave <laughs> He's kind of like a got a got. He's got a bat cave where he designs I, I, all the new. I, I mean, like he, he he seems to be the most popular guy next to Tim Cook, right in Apple. Oh, yeah. But he never appears. I mean, he's always on these, you know, on their you know featurettes, right? But never live, right? He's never yeah. live. Yeah. Huh. Some people just maybe they just have an aversion to large crowds and. Being in an uncontrolled situation, he seems a little bit like he might be a control freak. Oh, kind of like Steve Jobs was. Yeah, I think that's why they liked each other. But I, I have no idea actually. I don't. I have no idea of his personality. But that's, who knows? Who knows? But he has a nice English British accent. Yes, I, I, nice I appreciate that as well. Oh, I appreciate that as well. It's very, very, yeah. very nice. Very, very. But nice. anyway, you know, it's it's cool that Apple's innovating, so everybody can copy them and come out with cheaper stuff. Yes. in a, in a year. Right. And, but, but but we won't buy it though, so <laughs> so we'll still pay the six forty nine for the uh, for the introductory. Is this six forty nine or is it seven something for for the uh, iPhone seven? I, I think it's basically the same prices as before. Right, uh, six hundred or six fifty. Yeah, but that's it's starting at right exactly. If you get the super high end model, it's probably like eleven or twelve hundred dollars. Right, so right, right. Awesome. Su- super expensive, but you know, awesome. it's, you can't live without them. Nope, can't live without. At this it. point, they've yep. addicted us. Yep. Exactly. And all of our children. Fantastic, <laughs> fantastic. All right, good. Well, uh, th- so that's the uh, Apple event that 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 was new. Um, let's see, what else can we move on? Hey, how about uh, what you you got a couple new lenses that you want to share with us? Yeah, I seem to have this addiction to buying stuff from B B and H. Yes, even though they're not a yet a, yet a sponsor, I'm still working on that. I'm surprised that they're not because TechMove be- is world famous. Yeah, apparently B&H doesn't think we're as world famous as we actually are cuz I've actually had a conversation with their their uh, marketing guy about it. And and they said, "Who are you again?" Uh <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> but uh I'm still work going to work on them. Good. And next next time I go, go to New York, I'm going to camp outside his door and I'm going to tie a cassette of, you know, an old cassette of Tech Move to his antenna <laughs> on his car. 
I'm, I'm, we're gonna get there. Right. We're <laughs> gonna get there, fellas. <laughs> What's this cassette? I can't even play this. Uh, sorry, Keith. Uh, we 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 only sponsor people that have listeners of over ten people. <laughs> hey, those ten people are very influential. Okay. So I mean, B and H, if you're listening, I'm giving you a plug right now, even though you're not a sponsor. So. B&H has this great thing where they have these specials every day, every night. And and they, they release the specials like at 9 p.m. or something every night. Mm. So every night when I check my mail, my email, there is a B&H, you know, special like nightly thing. And a lot of times it's stuff you can't use. You know, it's just things you'd never want. Right. And so the, who cares if they're half price? But sometimes they're things exactly like what I want. So, for example, some of the specials were, you know, those those flex, those Westcott flexes. Oh those, yeah, those right. lights. Right. They were like half price. That's so I bought deal. a bunch right. that night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, spent a lot of money, but still, sure. you know, really good deal. Uh, other things that they have, Rokinon lenses. They seem to have a lot of specials on. So just recently, in the na- in the last uh, month or so since our last recording, mm-hmm. I think I got two new Rokinon lenses. Two of through, them through these specials. Yeah, I've gotten Crazy. maybe like four or five in the last year on these specials. But so the the two I got, um, one of them, they're, they're both you know nice lenses, and they're lenses I hadn't really heard a lot about. But one of them, one of them is a full frame, um, sixteen millimeter, and it's got it goes all the way to uh, uh, f uh, f two point eight, so it's fairly fast. It's um, a it's a two point eight. You said. Yeah, nice. it's a two, it's a two point eight, and it it's it's a full frame um, sixteen millimeter. So, I mean, if you use that just on a, on a straight full frame lens, that's great. But you could even put a speed booster on that and get it even wider and faster. Yeah, I mean, so, like if you put a speed booster on a sixteen mil, well, boy, that would be uh, what that be? That'd almost be like, like a tw- like a twelve maybe. Would it be? Yeah. yeah, yeah, it could probably be like a twelve with that, with like what another full stop or something like that. Like yeah, with a, with about a full stop. Yeah, so that that part's cool. Oh. Um, so that I've actually used that on a couple shoots, and the image is actually pretty good, pretty pretty sharp. What are you um, using such a wide lens for? I, you in, know, I use in them in that instance. What? what, what I, 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 you know, I, I, I'm, I'm big on the twenty twenty five mils, but uh, you know, sixteen and lower. Not sure about that. Um, well, uh, you know, I, I usually have a wide coverage shot right. um, that's running, like if I do interviews, mm-hmm. I just running all the time. And that wide cover shot has saved my butt, like, all the time on almost every edit I do. Because um, invariably there'll be some issue with the close-up or the medium, um, and I'll have to cut to that wide shot. Uh, once in a while, yep. and now with 4K, the wide shot, I can I can make it a little bit closer, well, quite a bit closer, and still have the image look pretty good. So I can crop it in, you know, to make it instead of a 16 millimeter, it'll be a 32. Oh yeah, or whatever, and, it's, and it still look pretty good, huh? And it still looks pretty good if I needed it. If right. I needed it, so right. it just gives me some extra cover. So yeah, so like I I just did a whole series of interviews, and that was it was just a prime lens on one of my on my A7. Um, I think I had it on my A7R, you know, so it wasn't it wasn't quite as wide as six, a real 16, true 16. Yeah. But it's still pretty wide. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh had that running the whole time, and that helped me with the wide shots. 
So I have a 14 millimeter as well, which I really like a lot. Um, but this one's a little bit faster and it might be equivalent in sharpness. So I like that. Um, I also got uh, a cute little Rokinon lens. Um, now this one is actually, so the other one was a um, an EF mount. So that, that other one was a mount for Canon, so I have to use a uh, adapter with it. Right. Um, this other one I got is the is a Rokinon 12 meter, 12 millimeter, but this one is actually meant for E mount. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I don't even need. Oh, so an adapter. no no adapter needed for this. Yeah, so this is a 12 millimeter, but it's only an APS uh, C sized. So this is perfect for my A7 R2. Mm-hmm. And I what I plan to do use this on, and, I, and I've heard good reviews about this. I'm planning to use this on gimbals because it's nice and small and light. It's it's really quite small. It's about as small as the smaller um, Panasonic GH4, you know, like the 30, the... Uh, like almost the, the pancake lenses? Yeah, the 12 to 35 mm-hmm. that they oh, have. It's about the same okay. size as that. Oh, Maybe so, so it's, they're, they're, there's still a little size to it then? Yeah, not 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 super tiny. Yeah, but actually, maybe even a little bit smaller than that because I have the I have the back. Yeah, it's but it's it's like one of the smallest um, prime lenses I have. Mm, okay. So yeah, and I actually have not really used that in the field yet, but I have a feeling it's going to be really good. Got good reviews. I think that will that that does sound like the right lens for a gimbal mount type of thing. Nice and wide and small and stuff like that. That will probably look pretty good. Yeah, I think so. It, I heard it had good distortion specs on it, and yeah, because when you start, especially like that, like that came TV single, you start stressing out that that gimbal a little bit, and, right? And uh, lighter is better. So, boy, yeah. th- boy, Rokinon is just there. Those guys, Sigmas. Uh, uh, what, what's what, what's the company that starts with a T? Tamron. Uh, Tamron. Yeah. They all have some pretty nice lenses now. They're all starting to get on that, the prime lens bandwagon. Yeah. Yeah. They're actually, um, I think, photo And getting Kina, very noticed, too, for it. Yeah, getting very noticed because their prices are a bit lower than yep. than can, the, the brand names like Canon and Sony. Yep. Sony lenses are really expensive. They're 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 the new ones are really nice, but they're really expensive. Th- that that's the G series I think you're talking about, is that right? Yeah, the G Masters. G Masters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah those are super ex- those are like almost as much as the bodies, right? Yeah, some t- yeah, they are. They're 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 at least as expensive as the Canon lenses if not more. Mhm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. the Canon L lenses. So Right. But, you know, I think that's where they figure they can make money cuz people are just not so happy with using adapters. Um but that actually kind of leads into the adapters. Oh, what uh, a fantastic uh, uh, transition you've made, Keith. <laughs> uh, I, I was I was just going to ask you about something that that about an adapter. Uh, something from Photo Deox, is that correct? Correct. Yeah. So Photo Deox is um, a company that makes all kinds of adapters and and parts and. I have a lot of their products. I, I love their products. Yeah, they're really innovative. They have good marketing. Their stuff is high, fairly high quality. So um, anyway, so something that I th- I thought that I invented, and I may have even <laughs> have even talked. See about another it another company stealing our ideas. <laughs> I think I pretty much think so. So this is the thing that I've kind of been waiting for. Um, it's called the Fusion. It's called the Photodiox Fusion ND Throttle Auto Adapter. That's a mouthful. And so what it is, 
Remember I was telling you about the, the uh, adapters that converted from EF to E-mount lenses, and they had the little um, variable ND inside of them? Correct. So that meant you didn't have to slap on filters, yep. ND filters on the front. Yep. Well, but I said, you know, it'd be really great if they had an electronic version of this, too. So not not only, so you wouldn't have to use just manual lenses in that in that mode. Mm-hmm. Because um, that's kind of a pain. You don't always have to use manual lenses. You know, sometimes you want to use autofocus. Sure. Or, Take know, advantage of all those neat things. Yeah, and then with Canon lenses, if you want to control the aperture, um, you have to have electronic control. There's no choice with with the Canon brand lenses and a lot of other lenses that aren't fully manual, mm. like the Rokinons. So they did it. They came out with the electronic converter that has this little variable ND inside it. So I bought... I think like the first one off the assembly line. Nice. Yeah. And how's and, it working? Um, so far so so good. I've used it on a few shoots. Um, I haven't uh, like totally kicked the tires on it, but it seems to electronically work fine. You know, like all those features that it's supposed to have are good. It's probably not gonna have super great autofocusing capabilities like most of these adapters have don't have. Hmm. But uh, but. You know, it does. It seems to do what it says it does, which is basically, if you're in really bright sunlight and you want to have shallow depth of field and you want to have a large aperture, it'll allow you to quickly set that without slapping on extra NDs on the front of the camera. Now, uh, did you say that you can adjust that ND? You can adjust that manually, right? Yes, it's got a little extra ring uh, behind, kind of in in, in the adapter itself. Uh huh. Um, and it's just an, like kind of like a aperture ring or or any other ring that have you have on your lens. Mm-hmm. It's just an extra ring that's close to the camera. Okay. And uh, you just turn it, and just like a variable ND, when you turn it, it gets less or more. Yep. Um, you wouldn't necessarily want to have it maybe in a lower light situation because you wouldn't want to have... The thing about these variable NDs is they're always adding some some ND stoppage right. to the image. Right. It, it, it's just... A little bit or a lot, but you're yeah. always going to have a little bit on there. Yeah, there's kind of a minimum point, so you sure. don't want to necessarily have that. And also, there's always little issues with extra glass and stuff. That glass has to be pretty perfect, right? Um, so if you if you can avoid using an ND, a variable ND, especially not not a super high end fixed ND, but a variable ND, you, and you would you would avoid using those if you wanted to avoid introducing mm-hmm. extra you know, bad stuff to the image, but. Mm-hmm. But just in general, this is like the holy grail. So I, I see other manufacturers hopefully starting to do this as well. Fantastic. Unless Photodocs has a patent on this or something, maybe they can't. But right, yeah. Fantastic. What I'd really love to have to see is the is the uh, Sony's electronic uh, variable ND in an adapter. You know, because they have that inside their cameras now, or at least Sony. the FS5. Yeah, mm-hmm. Sony has the FS5 mm-hmm. that has the electronic variable ND. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really cool because then you can actually have, you can you can actually set your S, my FS five you can set it to auto, ND. Oh, nice. Yeah, so you can actually set it to have the same shallow or whatever depth of field you want, and then go from inside to outside and whatever, and actually the ND will adjust. Mm-hmm. So the lens doesn't adjust anything; it just exposures. It's in, it's in yeah. camera. It's in the camera and it's yeah. automatic and it's pretty variable and smooth. That'd be so anyway, yeah. that'll be the next Holy Grail. We'll see what happens. So Photodiax, I know you're listening. You'll probably be coming out with that someday. <laughs> They're working on it now as we speak. They're yeah. working on it now. 
Yeah. Great, great, great. So um, do you want to maybe we'll, we'll finish up the segment now and then we could talk about some some other new stuff in the next yes. segment? Yes. Uh, okay. in, in fact, that's exactly what I was going to do. I was going to call for a break. Our, okay. uh, our producers are screaming at me right now. <laughs> They're saying, break, break, break. All right, relax out there, okay? Uh, so Keith, uh, hang on to your, um, bootstraps here. We're gonna, um, we're gonna take a little break here for a minute and then we're gonna come right back and continue, uh, more, uh, new things that are happening in the news, new things that we want to talk about, uh, that we'd like to share with you guys. Okay. So, uh, hang on. We will come right back with more right here on Tech News. Right. Thanks for letting us take that break. It is Tech Move. Rod Louie, Keith Moreau here on episode 33, continuing on with our introductory segments of things that we've come across over the, since the last time we've talked to you guys. Yeah. And uh, I think we want to talk about now of some new uh, storage devices, uh, things you've come across, Keith. Is that correct? Yeah, so I think we were talking in the pre-show uh, warm-up that we do. <laughs> right. In, 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 you mean in our production meetings? Our production. That's yeah. That's what they're called. Right. Production <laughs> meetings. Yes. <clears throat> exactly. Um, With our staff of thousands. <laughs> so in our production meeting, we talked a little bit about the fact that I'm lamenting moving to 4K in a way because uh, now it's calling I have... for it. It's calling for it, and you've got it too. Yeah. But uh, the problem is, is that everything's just exploded. My data needs, storage needs, uh, have just totally exploded. Right. Um, and the, and here's the reason for it. By itself, well, okay. So if you were on the old AVCHD format, we're talking about you know 25 megabits a second. So that translates to maybe well, I don't even know. I think it's like 12. 12 gigabits an hour or something like that. Not mm -hmm. that much. Mm -hmm. um, or maybe 25 gigabytes an hour. So, something not that much. Um, so, But now all the 4K stuff, even the minimal 4K stuff, is 100 megabits per second. Yeah. And that's that's getting up there. That's getting to like 100 gigabytes per hour. Right. So you multiply the bad that by all the, my multi-camera shoots, because I'm usually using two to three cameras per shoot. They're talking about three hundred gigabytes an hour. Right. And if you're doing, you know, three three shoots a week, maybe I'll do th two to three shoots a week. On average, that's a terabyte a week. Of just the native uh like A V C like uh X A V C stuff. Mm hmm Four K stuff that I'm doing. You know, a terabyte a week. I mean, that's that's a lot terabyte. of storage. Yeah. But then on top of that you factor in the fact that um no matter how fast of a computer you have, decoding the the XAVC um, L XAVC long up stuff, mm -hmm. like the stuff that the FS5 spits out, the stuff that the uh, A7 cameras spit out, 4K cameras spit out, even the stuff that the GH4 spits out, mm -hmm. it's all this H.264 encoded stuff. Right, and 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 it takes a lot of computing power to decode that stuff. 
Um, I think some of the newer computers, like maybe the very newest iMacs and, and MacBook Pros, have some built-in H.264 encoding, decoding mm-hmm. in the encoding and decoding into their chips, mm-hmm. their Intel chips. But the one that I have, the, the Mac, the 2012 Mac Pro, is doesn't have that. Right. Um, so, and I, I don't think even the, the newer Macs, even with that chip, would really help that much. But so what's happening is I'm finding that Premiere Pro, which is my, my editor of choice, is useless. It is literally <laughs> useless with more than one, one uh, track of of this 4k footage utterly useless huh? it is completely useless it's like yeah it's useless well it's useless for editing if i just want to do an assembly uh, which i do a lot so for a lot of my clients well some of them i will produce just a a, a rough like three to four up version of the shoot um so that maybe uh, we can go through it together and see what we like mm-hmm. but um so that that's okay because I'm just kind of assembling all this AVC, all this XAVC footage together in different tracks. You know, so I synchronize it first and just have like a three to four up kind of version of it. You know, like three or four boxes on the screen with right. the different shots, yeah, the different uh, cameras, and um, and that allows me to kind of review the footage too. But and then spitting that out and encoding that and putting that into you know uh, like an HD stream. That's okay, but actually editing it, like going through and cutting it and moving stuff around, it mm. takes it's too slow. Premiere too slow. Pro, too yeah. much. Yeah, it's just I'll, I'll click on it. Uh, Premiere Pro might think, and maybe it'll decide to move the playhead sometime to that point in the sequence, and then maybe it'll decide to actually display it <laughs> uh, after some point in time, or maybe it'll just stay black. Right. <laughs> well, it's thinking about right. displaying it. Right. Really, right. really. It's crazy. You, you, you could see the steam rising from the CPU, correct? It, it is using CPU. It's yeah. definitely, it's just using all my 24 cores yeah. of CPU. Right. It's crazy. And just it still takes forever. screaming in pain. Screaming in pain. Yeah, I don't know what it's doing back there. You know, I think it's, you know, having like a little coffee break. <laughs> and it's yeah. saying, right. oh, Keith wants to move to that point in time and right. display it. You know, I'm getting a little... Uh, <laughs> Kind of feel tired. like having a little break. Yeah, I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> or is going in the back. Ah, I can't take anymore. <laughs> you know, you have no feedback from right. what's going on. All, sure. all you can see is from my menu meters display on my, which I've custom installed that my CPUs are churning very high. Uh, anyway, or it's the just internal a, temperature is just going like through the roof. <laughs> yeah, so it's it it you, you can't do any real editing with that. You can't actually move stuff around or cut mm-hmm. stuff or anything. Mm-hmm. So my solution is, which I've been avoiding for years, is to transcode everything to ProRes. And so, you've been avoiding that? Well, kind of, because I didn't want to blow up all my files by f- at least four times as big. Mm-hmm. That was the first reason. Right. And the second reason, it's it's an extra step that takes yeah. a, a heck of a lot of time. Yeah. You know, it's not even... Well, it's probably faster than real time, but... It's still, you know, so it adds an extra, like if I wanted to work on this stuff right away, I can't because I got to transcode it. So anyway, it just adds a complexity to my workflow. So I've been avoiding it. And that's what I thought Premiere Pro with the Mercury playback engine was supposed to give me. Well, it kind of gave me that with regular HD footage, but not 4K. Mm -hmm. I don't think computers are just powerful enough to do that. So I bit the bullet and just decided to transcode everything. And I'm using um, a really good program to transcode called Edit Ready. 
and it's made by the our friends at Divergent Media. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And in fact, I'm trying to like, arrange an interview with the the founder of that company. Oh He's good, a pretty cool guy. So anyway, um, I use that to transcode everything. You know, do set it all up like a couple days before, so I can just have it churning away and transcoding stuff to progress. And then I just replace all my all my files. You know, all the MP4 files or whatever that are produced by uh, the XAVC cameras, and then relink them to this ProRes version, which is also time-consuming. You know, it's not a ton of time, but it's an extra step, and it's error-prone. How how long does it take to transcode uh, using edit-ready? I mean, like, let's say, uh, you know, I I, I don't know how we can time that, but it, it of course, depends on on footage length and stuff, or file size, shall we say. But, uh, you know, give me an example of some sort. Is it overnight? You know, like, remember how years ago when we would make uh, backup copies of our personal DVDs and you'd have to, uh, you know, transcode that sometimes. uh, And back then the computers, you'd run it overnight, right? Because it just take like eight hours to do like an hour and a half movie or something like that. Yeah, it's not that bad. I I honestly have never really timed it. Mm. I, I think it's way faster than real time. Oh, that's so okay. like for an hour of footage, it's probably well, you know, I'm not positive. Mm-hmm. I'm not positive. I'm gonna have to look into it. But I think it's could way be faster like than real. thirty minutes, forty minutes to to transcode something like that. Yeah, I mean, I've so like the other day, I think I did about um, I think it was a total of maybe twelve hours. Mm-hmm. Of, of footage mm-hmm. <clears throat> three different cameras maybe four hours each three or four hours and i think it took overnight okay so yeah that was i think it was around real time okay so i'll have to get back to you on that we can ask maybe when i do the interview we can talk about that but <clears throat> i was actually kind of surprised that um it was slower in a way it was a little bit using edit ready was a little bit slower than using um media media encoder mm-hmm. but um i kind of trust the guys at Editor Ready more than maybe the Adobe guys for doing in, encoding. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't really matter, but um, I could also, if I really wanted to speed things up, I could probably have them both going at the same time. But I, I don't, I didn't think that that was going to speed it up too much. And apparently so it's just doing um, encoding to ProRes is just not something that can be sped up by the GPU. So it's not something that if you have a, even a fast GPU card, it's going to really speed up. It's just your processor speed. Okay. Yeah, and I was noticing it's not pegging the multi-processors like it's it's running at like fifty percent, and I think that's also just a function of you just can't create ProRes using all your processor power. There's just a limit to how much you can use. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I we could actually probably talk to when when we interview the 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 uh, Divergent Media guys, we could probably get down to the really coma. Sure. You know, details. <laughs> sure, definitely. Yes. Yeah. And, so anyway. And they'll be good at explaining that, I'm sure. Yeah. So now this, you know, one terabyte a week of data, uh, now that I transcode it, it's the one terabyte because I have to save the originals, plus another four to five terabytes wow. for the ProRes. Wow. So wow. I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. But so I've I've really just been scrambling because I've been getting a lot of large projects that need this this stuff mm-hmm. you know the 4k the ProRes, and all that stuff and they're long you know long shoots and i have to figure I, i'm going nuts because i have to have storage that's reliable for these things and i have to have backups and things right so i so i have this closet 
an older 2011 MacBook Pro, which I don't use really any, for anything other than my little server. So I have that mm -hmm. in this closet that's mm -hmm. next to my office. And my closet is just chock full of hard drives and this MacBook Pro. Right. And um, so one of the things I got for the MacBook Pro, and this is, might be something um, kind of useful for people just in general, when they want to have more peripherals, there's not too many ports on these new MacBook Pros anymore. Correct. There's like a couple there's of like USB. Two, two, two or three at best, right? Yeah. There's a th maybe one or two Thunderbolts on the high-end ones, mm -hmm. at least one Thunderbolt right. port, and, and some of the high-end ones have two. And then there's maybe one to two USB ports. Correct. On these, and that's it. So how do you get more ports? Because I have all these drives, I think. So I, I've actually gotten two different Thunderbolt docks, and you can daisy-chain them, too. Oh, you can so, daisy chain the Thunderbolt docks. Yeah, they've mm -hmm. they've got a, an, an input and output Thunderbolt. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like the old FireWire where you could daisy chain them. Yep. Yeah, I think Thunderbolt itself has kind of a limit to to, to like how many times you can do it, and also it, the throughput doesn't go up, and you know eventually sure. you'll you'll saturate the bandwidth of that port. But it's better than nothing. So yeah, yeah so I have um, I have the OWC Thunderbolt two dock. And I've also got Daisy Chain to that, <laughs> the Belkin Thunderbolt two dock. And how many ports are on those docks? They've um, the OWC has four to five. No, that well, they both have about ten to twelve ports. Oh wow, that's a lot. Oh, yeah, wow. they have. They it's actually pretty cool, and they're they're really made for MacBook Pros or anything that has. Uh, a, if, you have to power those separately, though. Correct. Uh yes, they, they have. They, a, they an should adapter. they should be powered. I don't I don't think you could just run the juice off that. No, I don't think it has enough to to. I don't think the Thunderbolt port has enough juice on right. it. Yeah, right. Yeah, because they all they they all come with a power adapter. I've yep. never tried to use it without one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. So I have all these things, and I have just tons of connections. You know, I think I have like. Like, uh, f fifteen drives connected. To all these <laughs> that's great. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I have a combination of FireWire. Because I have the original FireWire um, coming out of my my MacBook, my old MacBook Pro, which still had FireWire back then. Wow! And then I have uh, FireWires coming out of these docks, <laughs> and then I have USB threes coming out of these docks, <laughs> and then I have uh, Thunderbolt eSATA coming out of these docks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a question, though. This is more of a housekeeping thing. From yes. the old days of recording studios, do you label all your cables? Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> No, I do not. So, so if one thing gets unplugged, who knows where it's? You're chasing it down to wherever it, where the other end is. Um, what I do is I have a little grid, a little Excel spreadsheet that I printed out that has uh, what's daisy chained to what. Oh, good. Yeah, That's and cool. also kind of gives me tra uh, trackings and stats, That's like cool. how fast is this interface and stuff. So it's kind of cool. cool. And I have that pasted in my my uh, on, in my closet That's just so good. I can see when something goes wrong. But That's anyway, cool. so I've been resurrecting all these old uh, raids that I've had lying around. Right. I've been trying to take my old drives that, like two terabyte drives, which have been replaced by four terabyte drives. So I have a whole stack of those that are still hopefully good. I've been re-putting re those back into old cases so I can start using those for extra storage. Oh, my gosh. I've been, yeah, I've been buying new uh, RAID boxes, and I wanted to talk about that, actually, the new, the new hard drives and RAID boxes that I've gotten because I think that's 
pretty important for people. So anyway, so along with uh, these expansion capabilities and things, I've had to resurrect these old drives. Um, found out that almost all the old cases that I was trying to resurrect are bad in some way. <laughs> <laughs> so I literally have... Okay, so I used I kind of standardized on this brand called uh, Otherworld Computing. Yep. Because they were like the best choice back back in the day. And they mm -hmm. still are a really good choice. They're a great company. Yep. But um, I had, the I guess, the first version generation of these QX2 uh, enclosures. So they hold four drives. And and right the ones that I have, they you can only put two maximum of two terabyte drives in there. So can, they can only hold up to uh, a total of four of these two terabyte drives. And that's it. Then they're maxed out because of the firmware or whatever, and you can't mm -hmm. upgrade them. Right. So, but I did have a bunch of these old two terabyte drives that I'd been taking on my Drobos and replacing with bigger drives. Mm -hmm. So, I had a whole stack of these uh, mostly old Seagate drives. Anyway, um, I basically tried all, tried almost all, f uh, all my extra enclosures, the QX2s, and almost all of them were bad in some way. So that was kind of annoying and time consuming. So I have the stack of the five. enclosures were yeah. actually bad. How, yeah. how how are enclosures usually bad? Um, um, would, would, well, would it be the ports that are not good, or the pins that you're connecting the drives to maybe are kind of you it, know messed up or whatever? It could be something electronic. It could be something um, mechanical. Mm -hmm. um, it could be a electronic part. Um, could be firmware, but these aren't upgradable in that way. Mm -hmm. um, there's just no, you can't really replace parts to figure it out. It's just, they're basically just garbage. Right, right, so, right, right. Yeah, so I have a stack of five of them, you know, <laughs> and they're just stacked up right here in front of me. <laughs> and, and you're going to use them as like, I don't know, toolboxes or something like You'll clean them out and just like stack stuff in them. No, I'm going to somehow dispose of them. I'm uh -huh. not sure how. Right. I might I might give them to people that, you know, we'll find out that they're we'll try to use them and we'll have intermittent problems and then throw them away. Right. So Right, right. <laughs> you want some you want some intermittent <laughs> Hey, you want some large drives? capacity intermittent <laughs> storage solution? Free. But put that wedding memory on here, will you? <laughs> Unreliable. But don't call but, me. Yeah, so that was kinda of, but I did I think I resurrected maybe one or two out of I had I had a lot of these left over because mm. when I went over to the four, the four terabyte drives I couldn't use these anymore. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, right. But the four terabyte drives that I'm using from QX, uh, the, the newer version, the QX twos are are so far I've had no failures on those, and they also feature USB three point But I'm using them in eSATA mode because that's mm -hmm. supposedly faster and better. Mm -hmm. Everybody says the eSATA is way better than than uh, USB three as far as reliability and controllability and stuff. So we'll see. Okay. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily true because I don't personally have that experience. Mm -hmm. uh, USB three, in my opinion, is really super fast and seems like it's good, but and a lot easier to use just cable wise and stuff. But you know, the eSATA connectors are these old style connectors that have really thick cables that are the, the connectors themselves seem to be really loose, kind of like naturally very loose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> yeah, they don't seem too reliable. But anyway, nice. jury's out on that. Right. Um, I've, I have a, I have basically six eSATA ports on my Mac pro. Yeah. And, and I have the ability, I have, and I have USB three ports on my Mac pro as well. So, and I have, there's converters to convert USB three to SATA. So I have a lot of SATA capability on my Mac. 
Um, anyway, so what was I going to do to replace all these? Because I, I need RAIDs. I need some kind of redundant storage enclosures. Right. One of the solutions was was to was to use something called Soft RAID, which I actually have a license for. I bought it a while back. It's not it's not cheap RAID software, and it uses your Mac to to set up an external RAID. So it's kind of like it sees enclosures. So there's this concept in enclosures called JBOD. Just mm-hmm. it's it stands for just a bunch of drives. <laughs> okay. And um, and it is it's it the enclosure instead of it all being kind of synced together and the closure doing all the the work uh, of rating it, you know, combining the drives and making them seem like one drive. Mm-hmm. It just shows all the four different drives out to your computer, and your computer does all the rating. Oh, okay. And, yeah, so it figures out, okay, this drive one belongs to this part of the RAID, drive two. So Soft RAID is a Mac product that does that. And they have really great reviews, and I've used it a little bit before. Um, not too much, but I used it on another Mac before. So finally I said, oh, maybe I can just use the, these, get a different kind of enclosure that supports JBot. So my mm-hmm. first uh, solution was to buy an 8-bay storage device that had eSATA and had JBot and put all my my old drives into it. The reason I have to look it up is because I returned it. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. Uh, uh, let me just quickly find out what that was. I'm sorry. Let me just... Yeah, that was the Mediasonic. Okay. And the Mediasonic uh, is an 8-bay enclosure. It's not too expensive. It's like 260 bucks or something mm-hmm. for, you know, fairly beefy device. Yeah. Um, has a lot of good reviews. Anyway, I thought, great, I'll put my, my eight, uh, two terabyte drives in there. I'll save a bunch of money cause I don't have to buy all these new drives and I'll be using these old drives and I'll have a nice fast rated enclosure using soft rate. Sure. So I put all these, I, I get the device, put all my old drives into it. Um, connect it all up and, and, and soft rate only sees five drives oh. out of, out of the eight. Okay. <laughs> and, then, and then I look it up, and I finally research it. Well, it turns out that my eSATA cards, the eSATA card that I have in my Mac Pro, does support JBOD, mm-hmm. but it only supports up to five drives in JBOD. Oh. Ah! Oh. <laughs> so I was disappointed. Yes. But I had this enclosure, so I figured, okay, well, at least I can test out the enclosure and see you know, if this brand is good or whatever, because they, the, they have a five-bay enclosure, too, uh-huh. I think. So I took out three drives, did the whole thing, and just got failure after failure <laughs> after it would just go offline. <laughs> it just didn't one of the drives would go on and off. It was just utter failure. It's just like total waste of time. So that got returned. Right. Totally useless. Sure. <laughs> I mean it was even useless. I even tried to set it up on its own raid thing i think it supports raid okay um it didn't even do that so then i got another couldn't do it couldn't do it Mm -hmm. couldn't do it so return that was a big waste of time uh you know i'm trying to save time so that i don't get into a disaster when i have data storage needs because i was starting to get on the edge so i was getting really nervous that's why i'm scrambling to get all these different drives and enclosures so i got another one called the um yeah, so Mediasonic 5-Bay, uh, try to set it up as a, a J-Bod. Uh, you know, now with 5-Bays, now with it should work, right? Right. Another big failure. 
drives go offline. It's unreliable. <laughs> Total waste of time. <laughs> Some more disappointment. Yeah. So then I just said, okay, I'm going to just look it up and try to go for another company that has a maybe better re- reputation. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I decided to go with this company, um, well, this, this device called the Mobius RAID. It's mm-hmm. a five-bay RAID system. Mm-hmm. It's got basically everything that my QX2s have in it, but it's got one more bay in it. And it's, not, it's about the same price as the QX2s. Is it the Mobius Five Bay Thunderbolt? Uh, it's actually the one that's the FireWire eight hundred eSATA and USB three. Okay, at yeah. the top of the list. Yeah, so I got that. That's um, nice. That looks yeah. nice. It looks nice, and the thing that's kind of cool, the thing that I didn't like so much about the QX twos is it's a little bit labor intensive to put drives into it because mm. it's got these little tray things that you've got to screw on things onto uh, the drive first. Oh, the oh, uh, we're, we're, yeah. Yeah. yeah, those slide so have, in and out trays, rather than just being able to take a bare drive, pop it in, and and just close the door. Exactly. Right. So kind of extra time, extra chance for dropping the drive or messing it up yep. or whatever static. So, um, like for example, the Drobos are like that. You just you just shove them in there. You yep. don't even have to do anything. And I like that. Yeah, so mine's Mobi- like that too. Okay. Which yeah. one do you have? I have uh, Synology. Oh, okay. Actually, I've heard really good stuff about Synology. I like Synology. It's good. Yeah. They, they, they keep coming out with new things. But this is Mobius's time, so go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I investigated Synology, but they don't have, they don't really have like a, they have only NAS drives. Right. They only have network drives. They Correct. don't have, yeah. So I, I need something faster than NAS. Yeah. So anyway, um, loaded the Mobius in. Uh, it's working fine. Uh, it seems like SoftRaid and the JBOD... Mobius has a JBOD mode, but it seemed like SoftRaid was kind of slow with JBOD, and I'm not sure why. But but Mobius also has a mode where it just sets up its own RAID, so it becomes its own RAID box. Mm-hmm. And that seems to work really well, and it's really fast. So I currently have that loaded up with five of the two-terabyte drives. So I've got about eight terabytes of storage in there with, with one of them as a backup, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's how RAID 5 works. Is like the extra drive is, it's spread one drive across all the other drives. So if you lose one drive, you still have all your data. Right. And then when the drive, if a drive goes bad, you pop in a new drive and then it repopulates that drive with that redundant data. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So that's kind of, I wanted something where if one of the drive fails, that's great. There's something called RAID 6, where mm-hmm. if two of the drives fails, then, then you still have backup redundancy. But, uh, none of these enclosures really, none of these low-end enclosures support that. Mm-hmm. So that's, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's what I got. Another another new find, I was kind of just saying, well, m- maybe USB, maybe there's a cheap, high-capacity USB 3 drive out there because mm-hmm. there's lots of USB 3 products out mm-hmm. there because of the Windows PC world is huge and people are looking for bargains there. Right. And there's one that I found that I actually, I might, it actually might become my standard drive even though it's not a RAID. Okay. Um, it's the Seagate S T E B eight O O O O one O O. Everyone got that? <laughs> Lots of O's. Everyone got that? That's it's not. It's not my social security number. Um, expansion five. No, expansion eight terabyte desktop external hard drive. Uh, and we should look at that. Look, I think it's called the archive. I, I, it's called you, the you Seagate expansion, eight terabyte. You know what? I'm looking at it right now, and it's actually called 
the STEB eight thousand one hundred, and I'm not saying eight one zero zero. You actually got to write out eight thousand one hundred. So that that's that's quite a naming convention. I'll tell you that much. It's yeah, and I think they're just calling these Seagate expansion desktop externals. I think that's the short name. Okay, and it's it's very simple. It's kind of like the old. Style. I mean, it's like very typical drive. Just it's a little. The closure just a little. It's a lovely looking enclosure. Yeah, there's no fan in it, which is kind of scary. Oh, there's no fan. Oh no, there's no fan in it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's eight terabytes, and it's two hundred and I got it for like two hundred and seventeen, eighteen dollars. Yeah, which is what what a deal, isn't that? It's crazy. Eight eight terabytes for two hundred bucks. Yeah, it's incredible. So I'm kind of thinking. Maybe you might, should, you might buy a bunch of those things, and that'll that'll work. I'm just thinking if they're reliable enough, they don't have to be that reliable. They just have to be reliable enough where if I want to archive stuff and and then kind of put it on the shelf, that these are like the cheapest solution. Yeah, because actually they have a different. They haven't. I looked up what the mechanism inside them is. Mm-hmm. I didn't open the box, but I I, I kind of looked it up on the internet. And the mechanism, you can buy the mechanism, but it's actually more expensive than buying this drive with the enclosure. Oh, really? It's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Cause so, just I buy, thinking, so just buy a loaded. You know, that, that that's what, I mean, this thing looks just like your regular type of external hard drive you would use, just super capacity. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's, so the reason that it can be so high capacity, and this is a little bit of a coma thing, is is that uh, it's got some new kind of technology on there where the data is kind of laid almost on top of each other. It's almost like shingles on a roof, if you can imagine the layers of magnetism or whatever. Oh, okay. Are kind of are kind of overlapping, and somehow it's able to get underneath that overlapping and and get to the data that's underneath that first layer. It's kind of like almost like a double dual layer depth drive or something so, so could the actual physical hard drive be just a four terabyte and they're just claiming that it can hold eight um i think it's maybe got the same amount of platters as it but it's got extra magnetism that's laid on top of each other different layers in there then i think it accesses different layers anyway we can maybe look it up and have somebody else explain or have some <laughs> physicist explain why. But <laughs> but basically, that's their new technology. Now, the thing about it is it's not super fast writing, um, it's, you know, supposedly. Mm-hmm. These these are considered archiving type drives. When I looked up the mechanism, when people buy these, they buy them for like server bays and things, but not for like high availability writing. Mm-hmm. Just But the reading access is supposed to be super fast. So I did a test, and in fact, I'm going to just look it up on my... Um, I have something called Drive Genius. Mm-hmm. It's a really cool uh, disk utility. And in there, they have a benchmarking uh, software, and you can save the benchmarking. So for example, I did my uh, my new Mobius, and I got... Say say I want to do a ran, uh, sustained read, which is pretty much what I really want the speed to be, you know, because I'm reading large video files. I've already copied the files, transcoded them. Now I'm just reading them to edit. That's kind of why I need the speed, right? So I'm getting maybe maxing out at about 200 megabytes a second, you know, for large files, kind of in that range. Sure. Like 175 to 200, which is pretty good. You know, I'm happy with that. Yeah. So, and that's that's a RAID. That's with four drives working simultaneously. Mm-hmm. That's the one I just populated with those older drives, which are maybe not the fastest drives. Um, so the Seagate expansion with my USB 
throughput. Okay, so I'm saying it's between my RAID, my special RAID box that's fancy and costs a lot of money and has lots of drives in it, is around maybe maxing out at 200. The the Seagate um, expansion one, same thing for sustained reads. Mm -hmm. It's maxing out at about 175. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's 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 not that slow. Yeah. It's actually pretty darn fast. I mean, the slowest read I got was at really small files, which makes sense, at 30, 32K, 32K files, about 100 megabytes per second. But a 4 megabyte file is like 200 megabytes per second read. So it's it's actually fast enough to even edit with. So, so you should really try that and see, yeah. see if it can support. Well, I have one plugged in, and I'm testing it now with an edit that I'm using right now. So, um, but so I think the thing about all this stuff is when your main drive goes down, the one that's the really fast, high-performance drive, you want to be able to take that backup drive and be able to start using it so you're, you're not down for very long. Right. And I'm kind of thinking that these drives are going to be that. Maybe not the online storage like I have always connected, but the backup one that I can edit with in case my online goes down. Mm-hmm. You know, like, because say one of my QX2s goes down, it's just dead. Um, I mean, that's, it's not just a, an, an issue with one of the drives going out. It's like, they're all bad. Right. So um, maybe this would be a good alternative. So I'm I'm really thinking about this storage solution. It's annoying. Yeah. And it's like, I want to edit. I want to be creative. Right. But having to worry about where stuff. it's going to go is... It it's like so important. Yeah, it's like money. You know, and, 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 and you know all those um, online backup solutions are pretty expensive. I know you. I know you had done a little bit of that. Isn't that correct? Oh, I'm still doing it, and I really I'm a great proponent of a company called Backblaze. Okay, because they they have the best deal, and they are also the most communicative about how they do stuff. It's mm-hmm. like everything they do is totally open, like like what drives they're using, mm-hmm. how they store stuff, their technology. And uh, it's pretty pretty darn cool. And they have no limit. If you have an attached drive, there's no limit into how much you can upload. It, you're just limited by your network speed. Mm-hmm. I have basically about 50 terabytes of storage on that's stored with Backblaze right wow. now. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And this is built up over years. And it looks as if they offer a. They have a business backup. They have a personal backup. You're probably using business. No, I'm using the personal. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Is it unlimited for you? It's unlimited. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I'm not backing up my ProRes um like transcodes. Might you have to? Um no, because I I I think it's faster for me to regenerate them from the sources mm-hmm. than like uh downloading them. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So right, at least you'll keep that local. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, I've got lot an amazing amount of data. So yeah. Anyway, that's uh, yeah. Well, so I like the Seagate. I like the Seagate. I think that that looks. What well, what's the short name for it? I think it's called the Seagate Expansion Desktop External Hard Drive, and they okay. come in yeah. like four to eight terabytes. Uh yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty cheap. Two seventeen for eight. That's that's really darn good. 
that's, that's a really pretty good grade. pretty darn darn good. Really that's good. that's still comparable to even like a four terabyte like uh, pricing. Yeah. yeah. So they're in fact the f- four terabytes just ha- half the price. That yeah. is basically one hundred and ten dollars. So yeah. yeah. So why not get the larger drive if it's still reliable enough? Sure. And sure. and thinking about it, a larger drive potentially could be faster because mm-hmm. it's got higher density data, mm-hmm. so it could read potentially f- more at once. Right. So um, since the, the the drives are spinning at the hopefully same speed, and the USB three is, in my opinion, pretty darn fast. Okay. So, I mean, I know that everybody, all all the experts hate USB three for video and stuff like that. But um, I, there, you know, if you want to get another solution that's not USB three, it's really expensive. I guess that you really need to really up your storage capacities with the advent well i guess every production line that's coming out now is you know everything's 4k right so you've got to be able to keep up with that type of file i mean like even for me where i think i take probably more pictures more stills than i do video you know now that i'm doing a combo of jpeg and raw boy that's taking up a lot of space you know oh yeah those raw files, and then when you start getting to those big megapixel, like forty-two megapixel cameras, like the A7R2 and stuff, right? Uh, it starts even getting even bigger. Right, exactly. Which yeah. is something we'll discuss in our next segment. But uh, let's yeah. not get ahead of ourselves. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, like, uh, hey, hard drive. The hard drive business is not going away anytime soon. I don't think. No, and although it seems like the hard drive business is starting to level off as far as capacities, you know, yep. um, four terabyte drives have been around for quite a long time now. Yes. And those are still seem to be kind of the standard. It seems like when you start going to six terabytes, they get pretty expensive and, right. and higher. Right. And that's why I was so intrigued with that, that new Seagate drive. Right. I'm just hoping that they're just not junk and just die all the time but they've got some really good reviews yeah yeah. you know and it's going to be one of those things where the jury is out right the only way you're going to know is over a period of time so yeah yeah i i I guess i wouldn't have every single thing backed up on those things i would probably it would be my my backup of something that's maybe more reliable that or maybe you might and, and this is kind of wasteful but you might want your older stuff to be backed up onto that just so you know, yeah, if you lose it, maybe nobody cries. But yeah, that that extra archive, and then kind of clear off those those older things. Yep, exactly. Yeah, exactly. We'll clear off those older things that you need actually that room for for right. You know, for for new stuff. It's right. just how do these? I guess my 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 dilemma is, and I think it's just a huge dilemma just in the world in general because we're just generating so much data now. Yep. It, not just video, but a lot of it is video. Um, like how do it, it, how do you deal with it? Do you just save everything? Do you throw some of it away eventually? Oh, I know. I I, I, I have no idea. I mean, like, yeah. you know, nowadays, you know, I'm even finding myself, you know, archiving voicemail messages. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, why? Because my carrier is not going to carry it forever. My mm-hmm. phone's not going to store it forever. Yeah. Uh, You know, so I got to offload it somewhere. And, you know, even though those are small, but... Like you said, we're everything is data nowadays. Everything is data. Everything is data, and it's so it's kind of easy to store data in a way because it's just bits and 
Yep. And you can, you, it's not like having something in a storage locker. Right. Um, but, but in a way now it kind of is because you physically have to store this stuff on these drives. Yes. And those drives build up. Exactly. Correct. So it's kind of, it's kind of like getting a hoarder syndrome. Like we're all, we all have hoarder syndrome. We can't possibly throw anything away now. Well, so we're just going to be building up these drives and, and in a five years I'm going to have a, a whole storage, you know, yeah. storage center with my eight terabyte Seagate drives. Oh, uh, well, well and, and let's not even get into like the, you know, 320 gigabyte hard drives that, you know, were, you know, that, that, that we had from, you know, years back that still have stuff on it. Oh, yeah. Right? I, I, I have, well, when I can, I have transferred stuff off those really low capacity drives and just gotten rid of them. Right. Because they're... Well, I figure like the data is going to eventually evaporate anyway, <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah, those, those drives seem to have a, a certain lifespan to them. And then if you, if you try using them in, in five years, they probably just won't work. Yeah. You know, th- th- then, then you're either, you know, putting it in the freezer for about 10 minutes or hitting it with a butter knife. Right. So try to loosen so th- up those bladders. Something in, in the kitchen. Right. Some type exactly. of kitchen implement. A, a, a meat tenderizer or something like that. <laughs> Anyway, okay, Put well, hey, that, 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 that's, you know, food for thought, right? I mean, it's <laughs> like, holy mackerel, how much more, uh, how much more hard drive states that we, you know, um, oh, heck, we could, we could go on forever on this. I'm, I'm deciding to end it now. Uh, Keith, fantastic, great stuff. We have, uh, believe it or not, folks, we still have a lot of new news that we'd like to cover, and uh, we're going to take a quick break and reset this uh, this little circus we got, and we will uh, discuss more new stuff, okay? So, Keith, hang in there. We're going to come right back with more Tech Move. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Tech Move, Rod Louie and uh, the great Keith Moreau. And um, Keith, so many new things again. And uh, that's why this segment of kind of catching up on news is is so long. But I I think we just have to talk about it because there is just some uh, uh, major, major news, especially from Canon over the last uh, couple weeks, three weeks or something like that. Uh, the introduction uh, and announcement of at least three major cameras that I could see. Uh, first being the 5D Mark IV, uh, the XC15, and the C700. Which one you want to tackle first? Well, uh, Keith, can, can we talk about the 5D Mark IV first? Uh, um, yes. I, 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 I'm very interested to hear your thoughts on it because there are quite a bit of advancements on the 5D Mark IV. Um, I think that maybe for still shooters that are primarily still shooters, it's it's okay. Yeah. Um, I think if you're a Canon uh, lover and you have a 5D Mark III and you want a little bump in performance and other stuff, uh, then you you might get the Mark IV. But for videographers, people interested in video, I think it's just I think it's not very good. 
Not very good. You, you're uh, it, the the 4K is not intriguing you at all. The um, uh, the I I think it's the better uh, uh, some of the better uh, technical specifics of it. Uh, um, it's I not think the really four, interesting uh, you. I think that it's it's great that Canon is finally putting 4K on their cameras after other manufacturers have been doing it for like two years. Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, but. The, even the 4K that they're recording is really, uh, I I I don't think it's that great because first of all they're using a really um, kind of obsolete codec. They're using mo- Motion JPEG to store it, and I, I think uh, that I think that's what my GH1 does. Um, well, your GH1 also does AVC HD. That's correct, but yeah. it also did uh, Motion JPEG. That's right. And and they're basically similar quality, uh, except the Motion JPEG just takes a lot more space. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like just for no reason using, uh, you know, using a, a, a low, lower technology codec. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the main thing. It doesn't have 4K output. So even if you hook up HDMI to a 4K recorder, you're not going to be able to capture it. Oh, it down, really? Yeah, it down reses it to to HD. Oh, wow. So, I mean, even like this, all the even the cheaper Sony cameras do that. The GH4 does it. They all put out 4K. So, but you know, if you're if you're a Canon shooter, um, I think I think the main thing that this has that's pretty cool. It's a full frame camera. Um, it's not as expensive as like the one the one D C series cameras that you know, or, or probably a, if you're doing video, it's probably a better choice. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but if you're primarily still a shooter, yeah, get it. And then you can do some video, but if you're going to be a video shooter, I might look elsewhere. I might look for the, to the Sony's that's all. Well, now that's very interesting. You mentioned that because, okay, not, not that I'm going to point to Sony, but Canon also announced their XC 15 4k professional camcorder. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's got a one-inch CMOS sensor. Uh, I think it's gonna. Y- you can pick it up for a cool twenty-four hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on this one? Garbage. <laughs> really? It's, garb- it's garbage. Really? Yeah, it's garbage. UHD four K at up to twenty-nine point nine seven frames per second. That doesn't interest you. Garbage. Integrated 2.8 to 5.6 zoom lens. Garbage. <laughs> and all the showstopper of all, the XLR audio input. It's about time. <laughs> I know, right? That, that part is not garbage. That um, part's actually okay. You're not interested. No, why would I get this? I've got like 10 cameras that are way better than this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think maybe the only thing, only reason to get it, it's kind of small. Yes, and it's a Canon, so there's that kind of Canon uh, look and feel. The codec's pretty good on it, way better than the 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 Mark IV, mm-hmm. the five D Mark IV's codec. Um, but it's it's basically just a slightly improved version of the XC10, which was garbage as well. So I think they probably sold like one of those. Okay. So you know maybe they'll sell one more of this one. Right. Right, right. I think right. that their 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 cin- cinema departments is going through. Some, there's going to be some people fired in there. Oh, you think so? Point. You think so? Um, 
<laughs> well, you know, they had this amazing success with the uh, C300. Right. You know, and that, and that, but that was like three years ago. Correct. And they've had a lot of good success with the C100 mm-hmm. and the C100 Mark II. I mean, lots of people use those because they're just really easy to use. They've got that dual pixel autofocus, which is really cool. Um, they use all these Canon lenses, so that, that's that's cool. They're I don't know what their mark, you know, what their um, numbers are, um, but this was all before Sony came out with their FS7 and FS5 mm-hmm. in that that kind of market segment, right? Um, so, and then I don't think they sold any XC10s. I think people just looked at it and says, "Well, I can just just get a GH4 for basically the same amount, and I get a better quality camera with more controllability and a whole bunch of better." quality mm-hmm. in it right you know that right. or i can get a, a cheaper sony and get something similar you know yeah um it, i i don't think they sold too many xc10s and i don't i don't think they're going to sell too many xc15s so yeah i just i don't personally see i don't personally see the reason for it well then that begs the question of our last release um that i'm about to share with you and that is the canon c700 Yes. Uh, by the looks of this price tag, looks like they're not going to sell too many of these guys either. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. I don't know where. I think their marketing is just in a time warp. I mean, I what, what 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 are, are they? What, what I could let's see. I could maybe have a nice little Honda Civic to drive me to work from A to B, <laughs> or I could get a Canon C seven hundred. Hmm, which one? I, I think you you could actually probably get something better. I think you could probably get a low end Mercedes, <laughs> right? A used, amount- a used one, uh, a certified pre owned, probably with an extended yeah. warranty. Yes. I think yeah, I think you could get at least twenty eight thousand smackers is what I'm saying. Is that really yeah. true? Oh, that's really true, and that's without this all the extra stuff you need. You right. probably need this, another this is ten thousand. Bo- this is essentially body. Is that correct? This is yeah. essentially body. It's the body without the cards, without the, anything else, and uh, you'll need ten k worth of peripherals on it. You you'll need lenses. You'll need other stuff to make it work. So, um, and also, if you have PL mount men- lenses, you have to have that factory changed and all the stuff. Uh, the one thing that's good about it has a global shutter, so that part's good. Mm. Um, but and it's got the Canon look. It probably looks beautiful. Um, it's it, I see it as a direct competitor competitor to the uh, Sony F fifty five. Okay. If you look at the F fifty five, it looks almost the same. It looks like the same camera. Um, uh, that also has a global shutter. Oh yeah, you're right. Um, you're exactly but the F fifty five has been out for years. Mm-hmm. You know, like three years, maybe two years yeah. at least. Um, they're about the similar pricing. Uh, maybe the F55 is a little, little more, but you get more. Um, yeah, I just, I don't, I don't know, I don't know who, where they're going to sell these. Yeah, I mean, who, who, what, is, what is this market? I mean, is, is, you know, is is this Hollywood that they're trying to market to? And and you know, Hollywood's already using their um, what are they calling that thing? What is that that they use in Hollywood? Um, the Amira, right? Or the the uh, Arif Alexa, the, yeah. exactly. Uh-huh. So, like, is, is that what they're trying to gear this to? Yeah, I think they're they're trying to compete with the Amira, which is their 4K, which is Ari's 4K offering. They're competing with the Sony F55. Um, one thing that's kind of innovative, well, innovative for Canon, is that this is the first cinema camera they've come out with that's more shaped like a traditional 
kind of rectangle mm-hmm. cube. Yep. Um, exactly. It's, it's a kind of long rather than high. Correct. Their, their previous offerings were more like high and kind of short. Um, a lot of people prefer that long thing so they can put it on the shoulder for shoulder mounts. Uh-huh. And it's just more ergonomic for that. Um, but it's huge. Yeah. I mean, I, I certainly want to get one. It yeah. really looks big. Yeah. This, so am I guessing this as well does not interest you in the least? Does, there's no way I would get this. No way. No, there's no way. Mm-hmm. There's no way that I would I would even think about getting this. Not mm-hmm. not for it's not in my my budget. It's not in my function group. Right. Um, if I were to get anything, it would probably be the the other Canon that's uh, coming out uh, or has has came out about a year ago, which is the C three hundred Mark II. So which which we can talk about in a second if you want. Um, yeah, I just I for me. No, maybe maybe they'll sell some to episodic television or something like that, mm-hmm. or or rental houses. They'll probably sell some to rental houses. Sure. The global shutter is a good feature that that adds a lot. Um, their image quality will add a lot. You know, Canon has a really great look to their sensors. It's very beautiful looking. Yep. Uh, it's harder to get that look from Sony's, but not impossible. Um, Red's got is starting to be used a lot more in episodic television. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a requirement for 4k for some, uh, for some companies like Netflix, like all the stuff that's produced for Netflix needs to be 4k and above. Mm. So reds fall right into that camp. There, there are not, you know, there's red and, and Sony are the two 4k leaders. Okay. Um, so lots of stuff is starting to be shot in red and it's starting to look pretty good. Yeah. Um, I just watched Narcos. I think that that was probably shot in red. I have to look that up, but. I know that a lot of other stuff is shot on on mm. red. Mm. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, I don't know who they're going to sell this this camera to, but personally, so, I'm not interested. So with the C700, yeah, right, and you're also talking to me about the C300 Mark II. Mm-hmm. Um, this uh, uh, this was released a little while ago, though. Is that correct? Are you talking about the C three hundred Mark II? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was that really truly came out and was available probably a little bit less than a year ago. Okay, like and more like the beginning of this year, it was really available. And I'm on the internet right now. It's actually back ordered right now. Which, the C three hundred Mark II. That is correct. And it's, there's a reason for that. And that, that's what I was going to go to. There, I mean, it's got to be right at that price point where you're thinking, hey, you know, it's expensive, but you know, but you know, not thirty thousand dollars worth. Yeah. Uh, so so what happened was they initially introduced the C three hundred Mark II at sixteen thousand. And just in the last month or so they dropped the price to twelve thousand. So that's pretty significant. That is significant especially for Canon. Yeah. So I think they probably weren't selling that many. And that's oh. my that's my thought. Okay. Because that, that's significant. That's like a third less. It's not just a sale, it's like fire sale. Right. So um it's still it's still about Four thousand more than the their big competitor, the Sony FS7, which has huge market traction. Mm-hmm. You know, like everybody has those that, that that were considering maybe getting the C300 Mark II. They got the FS7. Okay, and, so, and are pretty pleased with it, I'm sure. A lot of people that have the FS7 are really pleased. It's, I think it's a little bit bigger, in a way than the than the C300 mm-hmm. Mark II. Um, it's a little bit longer. I think the rigs become kind of larger with it. And that's my reason for maybe considering the C300 Mark Mark II. It's kind of 
it's kind of uh, compact. Yeah, it's it's got that short. It does it doesn't extend too far in front of you. Well, and you've had this kind of body style before. Yeah, yeah. Right? I so, like. I actually personally like it. I yeah. like that kind of hand holding thing. The, right. Um, FS seven is a little bit too big for that. Yeah. It's just a little bit too big and heavy for that. Yeah. Once you start adding stuff, so yeah. So I'm. It's it's almost at the at the edge of me considering. Like if I had a lot of extra money right now. Right. Which we all do. <laughs> if I had you know like an extra twelve k that I could just 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 buy something with. Yeah. I would I would consider it. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm still considering it because even though I love um like using the little A7Ss and and A7R2s and all that um there's just something about that Canon look that's kind of magical that I miss a little bit from from using the Sony's now for pretty consistently for a year. So but I'm not sure. Maybe that's just in my mind now, <laughs> yeah. like a memory, a yeah. fun memory of the past. Yeah. yeah. So, well, I I am uh, I am just kind of shocked with these major announcements that have been coming out, uh, you know, from Canon, and uh, I think all in all, uh, you're not very impressed. No, I'm probably, not. A little, uh, probably a little too little, too late, wouldn't you say? I think pretty much all the. You know, all the experts that, that follow this stuff are saying, what are you doing, Canon? And I think Canon's in kind of a dilemma. Because Canon has years, decades of building up this stills photo uh, reputation and lens, and lens selection. And then just in the last, like, five years or so, they've gotten into the cinema area. Right. And, they, and I think they really hit a home run with the C300. That was, like, everybody got those. And people are still using them. They're mm-hmm. used all, all over. Mm-hmm. For television and and other stuff, they then but then now everybody's going to 4K and and there's even network requirements for 4K, so now they have to come out with a 4K camera that can, that can offer um, the networks something, and I I think they've they've struck out on a couple, you know I think the C300 Mark II is actually a, a contender. I think it's supposedly got a really great image and has great features, but I think Sony undercut them with the FS7. And so now they're kind of hurting. And so now they're figuring out what to do. What are they going to do in this new space? Are they losing it? What's going on? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's. I think they're in a little bit of a dilemma. They're kind of. It's kind of like Windows. You know, like Microsoft and Windows. Yeah. In a way, their popularity was their downfall, because they can't change too much, or else they'll make all the people that like their stuff mad. But if they don't change, then they might get forgotten and bypassed yeah so it's just the dilemma of any company that gets successful really quick and gets a big market share and then another company kind of comes in and grabs their market share sure for a totally different market so yeah it's anyway i love their lenses i love you know the fact they have a huge section of lenses i've gotten i've got you know 20 to 30 EF mount lenses. <laughs> right. Of course. Yeah. And, and you're not going to be getting rid of those anytime soon. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think so, yeah. but, um, yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, I think for the, at least these particular announcements, I'm not going to get them. Yeah. I'm not interested at all. Yeah. No, so. I, 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 I think that's fair to say. I mean, like with, with the competition, so, uh, uh, so tight now, you know, Sony's offerings. Uh, I mean, you know, you you know, 
Panasonic is still in there, right? For uh, a, a, as far as a price point and what you can get out of it. Yeah. Um, uh, so many, other, you know, Nikon is still out there too. They're, they're, you know, they're not slowing down any anytime soon. Um, so, you know, some of these things just kind of too little, too late, I guess. I guess so. I, I, I we'd have to. We should do a show just looking at market numbers and yeah. see what what the market segments are. But I have a feeling that Sony's just totally running away with it. Yeah, I think for so the too. stills line, their their camera line, and and their cinema lines. I think so too. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. yeah. All right. Good. Well, uh, that is our wrap on um, on Canon's new announcements uh, and some of their new products that they got. Of course, they have what a bunch of other things too. I think they have some smaller cameras out there that are that are also being pushed but those were the ones that kind of caught our eye so uh thanks a lot keith thank you very much uh let's take another break and we will come back with more tech move right after this You are uh, back with Tech Move. Uh, it's Rod Louie and Keith Moreau. And um, Keith, I have a kind of a incredible announcement to make. Mm. Um, and I want to discuss this with you because I, I need you to either talk me off the ledge <laughs> or push me over the side, as I think you may do. But, um, you know, our, our, our vast listening audience knows that Rod Louie is the Panasonic GH1 fanboy. And, uh, and I really uh, uh, am not ashamed of that whatsoever. The, the camera, is, especially with my, you know, with the hack to make it the GH13, I, I still find it to be a, a really great camera and a, and a mm-hmm. camera that, uh, that I still love uh, to this day. Yeah. Uh, as I've spoken over the last umpteen million years on this uh, on this very podcast about me, you know, upgrading to the latest and greatest GH series. At at this point, it's the GH four. Um, you know, I've I've been doing some some real thinking about uh, about upgrading, and you know what? I think Keith, that I've really come to a decision, and I blame it solely on you. <laughs> Is that I am about ninety five to ninety eight percent sure my next camera will be the Sony A seven R two. No, I really am. I mean, from every I, I cannot turn away from all the talk, not only by your discussions of in <laughs> it, it, it just incessantly talking about the. <laughs> A7R2, but also a lot of other people out there in podcast land and in the written form. I think I'm going to move to it. Now, you know, obviously, if I haven't moved to the GH4 yet and I'm still on the GH1, it'll probably, you know, the GH, uh, I'm sorry, the A9 Mark 20 will be out by that time. But you know, I think uh, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna make the plunge. I got to save up my pennies. But I think I'm going to make the plunge. I know this is shocking. I know that this is shocking to uh, the tech move world. 
but I think I'm going to switch allegiance and go to the to the Sony side of things. And I'll tell you one of the big things here. A uh, couple little things, and we can reflect on this. Uh, I'm kind of tired. You know, I just went on a vacation, mm-hmm. and I took the GH1 with me. And, uh, you know, great video camera. I got some great footage and stuff like that. But yes. I also like taking footage indoors, you know, indoor stuff. And you know what? It's just I'm never going to get away from poor indoor footage. Right. I'm just right. never going to get away from that. You know, yeah. I don't care if this is the GH1 or is the GH79. You know, I just don't think I'm going to get away from that. The yeah. A7R2 in a, you know, what we like to call full sensor, right? Uh, ISO up to, what, 50 billion or something like that <laughs> is going to allow me a little more flexibility, okay? Yeah. I think I've, I, I think that, I, and I feel like a lot of my uh, uh, projects that I do are low light based, a lot of indoor stuff, a lot of family things, uh, a lot of things that you know maybe a great available light is is not is not there. I don't want to have to bring external lights or anything like that. Um, I, I don't know. Talk me off the ledge. Am I am I am I, am I crazy here? Mm, I'm not. Sure. I I don't think you're crazy. Yeah, I don't yeah. think you're crazy. I, I don't think I am either. I don't think yeah. I. And and let me throw out a statement here. And this is very controversial. This this statement may may cause the FCC to take our licenses away here, and Tech Move might be off the air uh, <laughs> after I say this. But you know what, Keith? I think Micro Four Thirds is dead. I think it's dead. <laughs> Your thoughts? Go ahead. <laughs> Micro Four Thirds is dead. Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, look, you know, we, we we spent a great part of this particular episode talking about you know sensor cleaning and uh, and, and and how all the new sensors are are allowed to do a you know a lot of great things now. Um, you know, Micro Four Thirds, great light technology. But yeah. but uh, you know I don't think the Sony's uh, are very are, are are much heavier. Right, right. You know. Yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 the bodies themselves. No, the bodies. In fact, I think the GH four might be a little heavier than the the latest A seven. Yeah, I mean the GH four is well made, right? It, it, it's 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 weather resistant and all this kind of stuff, so it's got to yeah. be a little bit more solid, right? So it's, it's certainly probably more solid than my GH one. It should be. It's much more powerful. All this kind of thing, but yeah. you know what? Micro four thirds. I mean, you know, of course, Panasonic, Olympus. You know, they'll choke me to death for saying that, yeah. right? Because they're they, you know they're they're still into it. They're still into win, and that's fine. But I, I just don't know the new, you know, uh, the new mirrorless cameras that are coming out. I think you can get a lot more performance. Yeah, I think it's just a it's just a matter of physics in a lot of cases. Yep. You know, there's just a bigger thing gathering the light. The lenses are bigger and 
potentially bigger and gather more light. You know, it's kind of the principle behind those gigantic telescopes that are aiming at the stars. Yep. Um, the reason they're so big is is not not for the magnification, really, because you could actually have the same magnification in a little pocket telescope you keep in your pocket, <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. in your in your shirt pocket. Yep. Um, it's just that there's just not a lot of photons getting through to your eye at that magnification. So the source has to be really, really bright for, for them to show up. Yeah. So it's kind of the same thing with, with, uh, cameras, you know, the bigger that glass is in the front and the bigger that opening is and the bigger that sensor is gathering that light, the more, the more light you'll gather, the more little photons will, will trigger those sensors. So, um, it's just a physics issue. Yeah. You know, that's, that's kind of why, you know, bigger, bigger film was, was used in the past, you know, in the film days, you know, there was the, the medium format, uh, film, which was used a lot for professionals mm-hmm. before uh, 35 millimeter. Yep. Um, you know, as 35 millimeter got more popular and more sensitive, uh, the need for, you know, the need for those, mic- uh, medium format cameras kind of went away or reduced in, in importance. Um, there may come a time where the sensor technology is, is so good that it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, maybe the bigger, just like right now, we don't, we're not going after full frame medium format cameras for the light gathering capabilities because they're too expensive and too obscure. Mm-hmm. There's a few of them out there, mm-hmm. but they're not showing a market improvement in low light enough to warrant, you know, investing all that money in them. Yes. There may come a day where, the difference between micro four thirds and, and the 35 millimeter is also kind of negligible and not worth the cost. Mm -hmm. But, you know, and maybe if somebody like Sony got behind that technology, uh, somebody with, I think maybe a little bit more engineering research and, and, and a little more advanced research department, maybe they would, maybe they would drive that, that super low light performance micro four thirds sensor to the point where it didn't matter. You know, it's possible. Yeah. It's just not happening now. You know, Panasonic and Olympus are the two main micro four third manufacturers. Yep. And whatever engineering they have, it's just not geared for that low light yeah. performance. Um, and just things, everything being equal, if you put the same engineering into a micro four thirds versus full, the full is always going to win because it's bigger. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So... And- and and, and and that's it, you know? I mean, I'm, you know, you can always find somebody out on the internet who's grading, who's getting great low-light footage out of, like, a GH4, right? Mm-hmm. You use, use like, a Sigma art lens with a, with a Metabone speed booster, and you get some pretty good footage out of it. You know, not, mm-hmm. not half bad, but... I think that we're the type of shooter that I'm at, th- that I am. I I don't want to spend a whole lot of time, um, fixing up stuff. Yeah, fixing it. I don't want to fix it. I want it to come right out of the camera, and look pretty good. Yeah, you know, and 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 maybe I'm foolish in thinking that you know uh, a, a Sony uh, camera will do that because you know everything needs work. I understand that part. You know, every, everything needs work on that, mm-hmm. uh, but I just don't need it to be that much work. Right. You know, like like right now, my my GH one stuff. 
oh boy, they're, you know, they're so, I can't go over 800, on, you know, in video. And even at 800, it, when you zoom in on it, it's still a little bit, you know, it, it, it's still a little bit grainy and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. I know for a fact that Sony, you could go up to 800 and it still looks pretty clear. Well, 800 is kind of like even below the native <laughs> resolution, right. native ISO. So it's actually, I think it's designed for 1600 or something. See, there you go, right? Yeah. So, so, yeah. so there I, I'm already behind the eight ball, no matter what. Yeah, no, but you are okay. But you are talking about the GH one. I am talking about the GH yeah, so one. That's, also, that's yes. fairly old, older. Yep. It's probably like a six year old camera. Oh, right? I, yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, I think so. so I think the technology has improved a little bit. Oh, for sure. Since then. It, so, it, uh, but I am also saying that, uh, uh, you know, I, I have seen stuff with a GH4, again, mm-hmm. with the with the art lens and the uh, end of speed booster. Looks great. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure there's a lot of work in that, too. Uh, you mean work making it look better, making less it look noisy? Great. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I kind of think if you start getting into faster lenses with the speed booster, you might... Get a good result. You might get maybe not as good as the Sony's. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the Sony's are kind of amazing, but maybe good enough for whatever applications you have. Right. Um, so here's the thing about the Sony's: the cameras themselves are pretty small. Right. But uh, at this point, um, if you're using, a, if you're getting it for the full frame quality, you're going to be using full frame lenses, and those lenses are big and heavy. Right. You know, you can if you get a, a fast full frame lens, uh, it's probably going to be you know way heavier than the camera. Mm-hmm. You know, the camera I think only weighs a couple pounds, right? At the most, and the lenses could be three, four pounds. So, you know, at least a couple pounds. So, you're not you're saving a little bit of weight, or or maybe equivalent weight on the camera itself, but you're gaining a lot of weight on the lens side. Okay, so it'll be a little more front heavy than yeah, yeah, stuff like that. More front heavy and just heavy in general. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's just it, it's it, when you start getting into the bigger lenses and the faster lenses, it's gonna not make that much of a difference. The difference between the GH four and the and the A sevens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing to consider. So if you're doing it for weight and size, I think that's negligible. Yeah, um, you, it's gonna be heavier uh, on the on the. Sony side, all things being equal. Mm-hmm. If you're getting it for the low light capability, if you're going to get a not so fast lens, then what's the point of getting the full frame? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because you're getting it for the light gathering capability. If you put an f five lens on it that's small, it's still you're you're, you're still going to have similar light issues, mm-hmm. light sensitivity issues. You know, like if you put a one point four lens on the GH four. And a 1.4 lens on the Sony, the Sony's going to win. Mm-hmm. But you look at those lenses; the lenses on the Sony are way bigger. Right. So, sure, 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 sure. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, another thing is you have to get, invest in all new glass. Yep. All that glass you have, all the you know, 50 micro four thirds lenses you have. <laughs> I, I really don't have that many. So. <laughs> okay. So well, it's, it, that well, you know what, and that's another reason why. I'm thinking about because remember we had talked about me picking up the uh, the Panasonic uh, uh, primes well the the prime the zooms that that are 2.8 right? yes yes so I said to myself okay do I want to dump in the money on that yes and have 2.8 capability mm-hmm. 
Or do I want to go, you know, Sony, granted, and spend that money somewhere else? Right, right. That's the consideration, right? That's the, it, uh, I mean, you're right. I, I, I could, and, and, you know, we, we've said here on this podcast, the 2.8 Panasonic lenses, terrific. Fantastic. Pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah. Great, great pieces of glass. Mm-hmm. But, you know, can I do something better? Yeah. There's still whatever $1,000 or more, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. So that's a, that's a pretty big investment there. Exactly. And I haven't yeah. gotten to that point, so I'm at the point now where I can really consider, hey, do I, do I want to switch now? Okay. And, 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 and this would be the time if I were to do it. Yeah. So if you want to switch, when you do switch, you're going to have to you realize that it's going to be a pretty big investment. Oh yeah. You're going to you're going to get a $3,000 camera. Yep. Um there if there's a new model out, you, you might be waiting for the A7R3, which might maybe out this year, I don't know. That's exactly like, what I'm waiting for. And they're yeah. and they're late in their yeah. uh in, in their serving me in that way. Yeah. So when they first come out, they're usually going to be about $3,500. Right. Um, now, like for example, the A7R2 is around 3,000, 3,200, I think. Right. That's correct. And, yeah. And probably after the A7R3 comes out, it'll be down to a dollar. So <laughs> you might want to Well, wait. I, I plan to buy it. I actually plan to buy yours because I know you'll get the A7R3 and I'll buy yours for about $10 and a box lunch. And then, uh, you know, and then I'll have my A7R2. So that that's my that's my overall plan. It's waiting for you, right? So, <laughs> um, okay, so and you want to get 4K, right? You want to get 4K video. Uh, you know, not or as important. It's, it's not as important. Not as important. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you know, uh, uh, you know what? Actually, in reality, probably not. Only because my 2010 iMac probably would <laughs> choke on itself if I tried to do that. So maybe not. Okay, so why not? Why don't you get uh, somebody's used A7S2 that's sitting in my bag up here, waiting to be sold for five dollars? A7S2? No, just an A7S. Oh, the A7S. <laughs> oh, the, yeah. You know what? Everyone's selling their A7S for about, you know, for for a box of peanuts now. <laughs> yeah. No. You know, I. I, I you want to get the new thing? I mean, well. No, I'm newer, newer, newer. I mean, look, here's the thing. A7 came out, right? Very big deal. Everyone loved it. Fantastic, right? Yeah. But then the A7, and then the A7 S2 came out. Really big deal. Mm -hmm. And then the R2 came out. Holy mackerel. That was the game changer, right? Everyone went bananas over that. Yeah. I'd like to do that. If I'm going to do one. Uh Uh-huh. You know, at the time, GH1, that was a pretty big deal. Mm-hmm. Here, here, here's my opportunity, because I'm not one to get a camera uh, every year. I'm a guy who would stick to it for about five years, mm-hmm. if not more, if I can get away with it more, and uh, and do it that way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so if I'm going to make the jump, might as well do, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the R2. Yeah. R2 or S2. You know, I would I would say get the R two. Yeah, I I think the R two is way better than the S two. Yeah, I I don't know why so many people like the S two. Yeah, I mean it's what what it has higher ISO something like that, a, but a big little deal. bit, but, but big deal, right? I mean, 
a little bit higher ISO, but still who's going to be shooting at that unless you're just a, a pure nighttime photographer. If you if you get the R2, you can get almost the same performance. I think I think the performance curve noise curve starts converging at about ISO 25,000. Wow. So See, that both sounds, cameras that sounds awesome to me. What, yeah. what, what, what is that ISO level on a GH4? Right? We're yeah, start, well, we're, does we're, it even exist? Does it I, I mean <laughs> You know, uh, it starts to get grainy on a GH4 probably now at what? At about 16. 1,600, right? Yeah, 32, it's not too usable. Right. So there yes. you go. Yeah. So, yeah. But, um, so basically an A7S2 and an A7R2 are about the same noise level until you get to 25,000. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then after 25,000, then the S2 wins. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. what do you give up with the S2? You get up, give up, um, well... You give up uh, 4K in APS-C mode. Uh, you give up um, nice uh, focusing, uh, phase-detect focusing. The A7S2 just doesn't have it, so the autofocus is bad. And, and, and that's a big thing for me, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you get... Um, so, and oh, then there's, and, and there's how about this, the image stabilization? Actually, they both have image stabilization, so that's that in, part's good. In-body? Yes, in okay. body. Okay. Uh, so that part's good. Um, the A7S2 sensor is the same sensor as the A7S. They did not change. They did not improve that or change it. They they improved the processing, mm-hmm. but not the sensor itself. Mm-hmm. So I think the color is a little better from the S to the S2. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just think the if you're just going to get a cam one camera, and then also the A7R2 has a higher megapixel count, so stills you can get much higher resolution. It's it's which, uh, which is exactly mi- what we need for our low disk space that we have. <laughs> so, but if you want to, sometimes it comes in handy. Like, say you want to do a landscape and print it out big or whatever. Sure. Um, that forty-two megapixel megapixels has has is important compared to twelve megapixels. Right, right. Or if you want to crop in and just pick out one thing, one little thing out of it, and make that a, make that a photo. Right. That that helps with the forty-two. So at least you have that option. Mm-hmm. So it gives you a lot of options, and you don't get there's not a lot of detriments to it. And you can still shoot 4K uh, full frame if you want. You just get a little bit more aliasing maybe mm-hmm. on it. Kind of mm-hmm. juries out on that. Yeah, if you shoot brick walls and stuff maybe, but not, other stuff hardly noticeable. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's just more versatile. So I would suggest if you're going to get choose between the two, get this A7R2. Okay, but you are talking three thousand dollars for the body if you get it on sale or whatever now, and maybe it'll be less when it, the other one comes out. Right. Um, but then you're talking about lenses. Yep, and which I know prob- are going to kill me. They're going to yeah, kill you, me. Yeah, and you probably you might want to get Sony native lenses because you probably don't want to get adapters and do all that stuff and not have great performance on that. Mm-hmm. So you're going to start have to start getting Sony lenses, and the right. Sony lenses are really expensive. Yep. So you might if you get a a, a new lens, you know, like a t- couple typical Sony lenses are the. Um, I think 16 to 35, and then they have a 24 to 70. Mm-hmm. And they're both F4 lenses. They're not even F2.8 lenses. Mm-hmm. And those are still like the $1,500 range. Each. Each of them, yeah. Yep. So, you know, maybe slightly less. And then if you want to go to the G Master lenses, which I think they're going to have similar things, but in 2.8 mm-hmm. instead of 4, so they're faster zooms, they're like $2,000 or more, 2500 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
so now you're starting to talk about if you just get those two essential zoom lenses for most of your stuff now you're talking and and you could even get more lenses like you could get the 70 to 200 that's like another $2500 mm-hmm. so if you get those three essential zoom lenses you've now up to your investment to $12,000 right so are you willing to spend $12,000 to have a little more convenience in during nighttime shoots or indoor shooting yeah, and I mean, and, and and that's why I bring it up because I think that it's it's controversial. Yeah, very controversial. Now, what you could do is you could take kind of an intermediate decision. You could get something like an RX. I think it's RX one hundred two. Yeah, have you looked those up? I I have seen those. Um, haven't really considered it that much, but but I did look at those. Yeah, I think it's up to the four now, not the two. Okay. Um, so the four is is pretty darn cheap. Now that's that's not that's not really um, necessarily in the same league, but it's a twenty mix twenty megapixel. I think it's got like a one inch sensor, but very good low light. Um, probably better probably better than the G four. It's all in one. It's got a fast lens on it. You know, I'm I'm just saying I'm not saying that this is the one, but there's a few other choices out there. Right. Um, there's also the Sony A6300, pretty much functionally the same as an A7R2, mm-hmm. but it's only like a thousand dollars. So let's look at that for a second. A6300. Have you heard of the A6300? I have. Yeah. Have you looked into it? Uh, no, I have not. Okay, so that's an APS-C camera. Mm-hmm. So it's not. 24 yeah. megapixel yeah camera and and it's it's got 90% of the functionality of of the A7R2 mm-hmm. and it's got you, you might not even be able to utilize whatever's extra in the A7R2 mm-hmm. it's a lot cheaper so you could save that $2000 and get $1000 $2000 more of glass mm-hmm Right, and spend that on glass. And spend on that glass, and you'd always have the glass. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to later get, like, the A7R2, mm-hmm. then you could. See, now, the, you, you know, you also bring up another good point. And the A6300 is, is, looks like a fairly decent choice, because that's really small. Yeah, um, it's, it's really small. It's even smaller than the A7R2. Um, but let's get back to the glass on that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so, you know, so in that I'm still looking at, you know, over a thousand bucks in glass, right? Well, uh, it depends on the glass you want to get. Right. Well, let's say I get the Sony glass, right? Yeah. So Yeah, you could you can get some, like the kit glass, the 16 to 50, which is actually supposed to be really good mm-hmm. and not spend that much more. Um what does the 6050 zoom lens have in it? Um and that's like an all-purpose lens that'll get you started. Right. Plus, it has 4K video, if you care. Yeah, which which I do, of course. I I, th- I think that would be good. And if autofocus is important to you, yes, it actually has better autofocus than the A7R2. Hmm. The technology is actually better. Mm-hmm. It. It's got more uh, phase detect uh, pixels in it mm-hmm. than the A7R2. So, and you can still put any type of uh, Sony lens on it you want. 
Well, and, and that's the thing that I was going to bring up was that, you know, if the lenses are only uh, uh, F4, mm-hmm. am I really going to want to do that? Or should I just get a, you know, photo deox uh, adapter and, you know, and buy a, uh, a Canon glass off of eBay? If you want to, if you, if you, it depends. If you're using it for stills and, and trying to autofocus with stills, mm-hmm. I would say just go with native glass. Mm, interesting. Yeah, because I think you're going to be frustrated with the autofocus on on the adapters. It won't be fast enough? Uh, I think it's going to be slower and uh, not as reliable. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I probably wouldn't. If 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 I was like an action sports shooter, right, I wouldn't use an adapter. Probably wouldn't use an adapter. Mm-hmm. Probably get the native glass. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. S- yeah, but this um, the sixteen to fifteen lens that comes with it, just that it's only like an extra hundred and fifty dollars, which is crazy. Right. That's pretty um. Good. But how let's fast see what, is it? Does, does it say how fast that lens I'm is? I'm trying to look up the the specs on it. Um. Yeah, it's it's um it's at f2.8. I think this is the one. 2.8 wouldn't be half bad. Yeah, let me just let me just see what the the built-in lens that comes with it what the specs are. All right. Um I may be talking about a different kind of lens than the ones that that's on here. Doesn't seem to say much about the lens outside of it being a sixteen to fifty. Yeah. Not not much information here. I saw. Yeah, I'm not an expert on this lens, but. Oh yeah, there it is on the uh, on the picture view. It's right there on the lens, three point okay. five to five point six. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Usual kit lens type of thing. Usual kit lens. So if you wanted a better lens. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, let's see what the E-mount, E-mount, uh, APS-C lenses. So I'm kind of thinking, yeah, you could make that transition to Sony, but not go all the way Mm -hmm, and spend mm -hmm. a ton of money. Yeah. Like maybe keep, keep your, keep your, uh, investment on the lower end initially. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. I, 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 I should really consider that not go all out uh for it just yet and if i could get if i could get the same kind of performance you know even with a kit lens of a three five to five six with with the low light capability i should be able to do better than what i'm doing now would you say i would say so yeah i would say so Mm -hmm. I, i think you would be happy with that for for a while and then, if you want to move up, you could get get a, a better zoom. For mm-hmm. example, the right. um, like the one that I actually the kit lens that I got with my FS five, which just came with it. I think I ordered it with it. Um, it's the eighteen to one hundred five, and that's actually got a little zoom thing on it. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a video lens almost. Yeah, and that's only six hundred dollars. Yeah, that'd be something to think. And that's about. an F. That's F four the whole way. Yeah. So that's actually a little bit better. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I, I actually kind of like that lens. It's not the, it's not the nicest lens, mm-hmm. but it's very, very convenient. Sure. And then if you want to, then you can get some, uh, like, Rokinon native lenses, mm-hmm. some prime lenses. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to stick with zooms, you can get some of these Zeiss lenses and just go crazy. Mm-hmm. Or get some of the Sony lenses. The only thing that I would warn with the Sony native lenses is the f- the manual focusing is bad. Mm-hmm. It's just, mm-hmm. it's almost like they weren't, they just weren't made for manual focusing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because they have this th- weird f- way of when you turn the ring, it it's not linear. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're you're trying to focus manually, but you really can't get to the point very easily where it's in focus right. manually. It's kind of weird. Like, I right. don't know who designed these things. <laughs> but... Yeah, but um so you and and the thing is that that A6300 is it's almost like a throwaway camera. Mhm. Like you'll get it, you might use it, you might love it, right. but it's $1000 so it's not like a huge investment. Right. Right. Uh, and I think actually you'll get some really nice images. You know, there are prof- professional photographers where that's their B camera. Mhm. You know, they mm-hmm. might have an A7R2 as their A camera, but they have their trusty a6300 and the a6000 is is some almost as good and you can get them for like four hundred dollars that's like the previous version so uh, but i would get the 6300 because the autofocus is way better uh and did we mention this has uh internal image stabilization oh it says Um, it does not oh okay so that's actually something to consider yeah because I think that would be kind of important for me. Oh, really? Well, okay. you know, I, 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 I kind of, I kind of wanted that. That was the thing. That mm-hmm. was the thing about the A7R2. Mm-hmm. Is that it? It you know, it's one of those things where A7R2 you're going to pay a lot of money, but it's completely dummy proof. Mm-hmm. It could, yeah. you know, it could, you know, I, I, I strap something onto it. It should give me, you know, what what I'm looking for, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, but this is certainly something to think about for sure because I do like the form factor of the A6300. Yeah. Form factor is great, you know, yeah. nice travel camera, which is what I what I do a lot of, mm-hmm. uh, in in that way. Mm-hmm. Hey, that that thing looks right up my alley. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'd be very interested in that um, to see how that would work. Well, maybe you should just check one out. You know, go go someplace where they still sell cameras. And, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> or reality. rent one. Or I could rent one. You could rent one. Yeah, rent one for for a week or something like that, and try it out and see what happens. Yeah. You you, know? you could also borrow one of my uh, cameras, like one of my A sevens. You could borrow an A seven from me and see if you just like like it in general mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and a cheap lens yeah yeah i'd right. be willing to lend that to you if you cared well thank you thank you very yeah. much you could that. see if the low light really matters when you're shooting with a not so fast lens sure 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 well that's uh, that 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 is uh very interesting uh to consider uh, okay. you, you've gave me food for thought here <laughs> and, and that, and that's good. You've somewhat uh, talked me off the ledge. So I appreciate that. I think, that which that, is talked you back into not buying one into or? possibly not buying one. And you know what? <laughs> may, may, maybe what the real answer is, Hey, you know what? Keep, uh, keep your GH one and just keep going until it dies, which it may never do. 
I don't think it's gonna it, die. It may it may never die. It's fantastic, you know. It's a fantastic <laughs> unit. You know why? Why would it die? It's it, it you know it's it's been hanging around this long already. I want mine to die, and it's not dying because <laughs> it's taking up shelf space. It'll never die. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> It'll never die. It's the greatest camera ever. <laughs> I think you just just buy mine, and you can have stereo take stereo shots. And that can that can be your your claim to fame. <laughs> Rod Louie, stereo photographer. I'll, 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 I'll do the new uh, iPhone 7 thing with the two lenses. There you go. Right? Just a big version uh, just of Just a it. big version. <laughs> Look at this, Apple. Better watch out. The, the patent trolls might be listening. That, that, again, those darn patent guys. Uh, uh, that's great. Well, thank you, Keith. That was uh, 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 very helpful, if not more confusing for me. <laughs> I think I've just set you back a little you, bit. You, 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 you've set me back, but, you know, that's pretty much as per usual. So uh, I, I, I thank you for that. I think uh, what, here's what you should do. Yes. Wait till the A7R three comes out. Yes. Wait a couple months. Buy it for a, a thousand. Buy, buy the A7R two for a thousand dollars. Yes. And then buy, buy a couple you used uh sony lenses yeah i think i think if you did that a couple of zoom lenses like the 16 to 35 uh-huh. i wouldn't get the 24 to 70 i would skip that oh really why just because it's not very good it's not a, very good as in quality or not quality useful. quality is terrible oh really it's really sh- it's really soft okay it's like an amazingly soft lens or such an expensive lens. Uh-huh. It's not uh-huh. very good. Right. So I wouldn't get that one. I'd try to find an alternative to that. But something in that range. Sure. Um, there's, there is a really nice... I was just actually looking at it. There's a really nice 16 to 70 F4. Mm-hmm. It's the Sony Vario Tessar. And I've heard really good stuff about this. Oh, and it's, it, it's, it's a Sony lens? It's a Sony... It's a Sony... It's not even the Sony Zeiss. Or is it? No, I guess it's the Sony Zeiss lens. It's got the little Zeiss badge on it. Okay. Um, it's it's nine hundred dollars mm-hmm. now. I think it's normally a thousand dollars. Very highly acclaimed by a lot of photographers, and it's kind of weird because they sell a sixteen to thirty five, and then they sell a twenty four to seventy. Mm-hmm. Both those lenses are more expensive than this lens, but they're no faster than this lens. And what is what is the range of it again? It's a six. It's a. 16. It's a sixteen to seventy. 70. So, um, I think it's it's a Sony E mount. Um, Vario Tesser, yeah, e? the Sony Vario Tesser. Right now, it's actually on sale at B H for eight ninety eight. Okay, yeah. So, um, it's got optical steady shot. So that would work even on a non stabilized mm-hmm. uh, camera. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would work on, for example, the A sixty three hundred. So for two thousand dollars, like if you got this one mm-hmm. and you got that, you'd actually have the a sixty three. Yeah, if you got the A6300 in this, for $2,000, you'd have a really nice setup. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, only thing on this... No, here's a couple things. With the A6300, I don't think it has a mic-in jack or a headphone jack. So you might have to get, a, like, a little recorder um, microphone like the one I have, like the, the Shure that I talked about last mm-hmm. time. Right. And right. that's, like, another 300 bucks. So for, like, $2,300, you'd be set. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to, you could get the Sony the sixty three hundred with the kit lens and just have an extra lens if you needed it. Right, but which would probably be worth it to to just have that kit. Lens. I think so. I think it's worth it because I think you'd buy them for twice that much if you right. had to. Right. So, 
but I think that combo that would that would get you pretty far, and that's still fairly fast because mm -hmm. with the sensitivity of that sixty three hundred, coupled with this f four lens, mm -hmm. it's not for, it's not super big, it's stabilized, um, has a lot going for it. Right. Yeah, I would consider this, that combo, and that would get you in there for less than twenty five. Yeah, something to think about. That's for sure. Yeah, and this is the kind of lens that you'd probably wind up using a lot even if you've got a better camera. Right. I know a lot of pro photographers that use this lens even for their A7R2s. Even at f4. Just because it's really versatile. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, there aren't that many zooms. There aren't that many Sony E-mount zooms that are faster than f4. Right. It's crazy, but there aren't. Yeah. I think because they wanted to keep the cameras kind of small. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't want to have this gigantic lens stupidly on this teeny little camera. Yeah. So so they wound up just making these F4 lenses cuz they figured the market wouldn't wouldn't bear faster lenses. Yeah. And they'd also be way more expensive too cuz they'd be bigger and everything. Right. So yeah, I would I would consider this one. This one hmm. this one has a really good good probably good really good autofocus as well as a good image. Right. Yeah, this would be the equivalent on a on a so for an, for an APS-C camera like the one that you would be getting in the X A6300 if you're mm -hmm. shooting in APS-C mode. Mm -hmm. um, this is the equivalent of the classic 24 to 105. Oh, so there is a crop factor to it. Well, when you're shooting APS-C, there is a, a crop mm -hmm. factor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, but th so that's why you want to just go wider, uh, get wider ranges. Right. So. Um, huh. So, yeah. yeah, something to think about for sure. Yeah. For sure. Well, that's good. Well, uh, I, again, thank you very much for You're that. You're welcome, Ronnie. Uh, yeah. it, you know, it is something to think. And I am, but I will tell you this. No matter what happens, no matter if I end up buying a A7R2 or a A6300 or, you know, or a, you know, Polaroid <laughs> camera, whatever it is, I am waiting for the next generation to see what prices will will how it will affect the current generation. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I am I am definitely going to wait. So. Okay, well, we'll be talking about this for about oh, a, yeah, another so six months at least. Absolutely. We will be covering this in the next 12 episodes of Tech Move easily <laughs> before I actually pull the trigger. So, good. Uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, our, our listening audience, send us your feedback. What you, what you think Rod should buy? Should Rod buy A7R2? Uh, should he buy a A6300 or should he resort to a uh, tablet and chisel are the big questions. Okay. So, uh, send in your, your, uh, your comments upon, on our Facebook page and, um, let us know what you think, what Rod should buy. Keith, thank you so much. Uh, that is fantastic. Uh, let us take a break. And uh, as I uh, recompose myself after this uh, joggernaut of a uh, decision that I'm going to have to make, uh, I need to recompose myself and uh, we will come right back with more tech moves.
Thank you so much. It is Tech Move Rod Louie and Keith Moreau here. You know, in our last segment, we talked about uh, my inability to decide on whether or not to jump to Sony mm-hmm. or to stick with the uh, good old Panasonic GH series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the questions that I had posed, and I didn't really get a uh, an answer on it, is is Micro Four Thirds dead? And in my in my head, it kind of is. Uh, but I'd like to kind of pick your brain about that, Keith, and and see what your thoughts are on this. I would say that it is not dead. Okay. I would say it's not dead simply because there are a lot of people out there that are not primarily video shooters like like we are, are very interested in video. Yeah. For for they're not looking for a hybrid camera. They're looking for a small, convenient camera that takes nice, sharp, beautiful photos and is not too expensive and is convenient. Yeah, I, 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 I do agree with that. I mean, especially with all the new things that come out from, of course, Panasonic, from Olympus, and I, I don't know who else does Micro Four Thirds, but... Uh, uh, but it's mostly Olympus and Panasonic. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, it, but Olympus. I mean, they just keep churning them out, right? Yeah. I mean, they're they're very aggressive in what yeah. they do. Yep, and their technology is actually pretty good. They haven't been that great at video technology for um, a while. I think maybe their newer cameras have more of it on there, like 4K and stuff. But right, um, but maybe they don't care, right? Maybe I don't, don't think have... they care that much. I think they're yeah. mostly after the still market. And th- I I know a few people that use those Micro Four Thirds, including pros and. They love them. They love them for even professional photography. Yeah. They don't they don't seem to complain about the low light thing that you seems to bother you. Yeah. So maybe they've somehow gotten over that or maybe they use lights or flashes or I think they use lights, they use flashes. I do too. I mean, that's how yeah. you have to compensate. And I'll tell you what, uh uh with the use of my flashes, my images are great, right? But yeah. then again, you know, it, if I don't have to bring one, I'd be much happier. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I would just say it's not, it's dead to you. Maybe (laughs) (laughs) it's maybe, maybe kind of dead to me. Right. Um, but like I, like I used to bring my, my, my pen, I have two GH fours and I used to bring them around for every shoot and have them as my third camera. But now instead of using my GH four, I use, um, either one of, I use two different a sevens. I use an a seven S and an a seven R. Right, both both running at 4K, and I'm still willing to put up with the half hour shutting off uh, with them, which bites me all the time. Right. Um, which actually, I don't know if I told you, but there's a hack to get rid of that. Did I tell you that? No, you didn't. I, I didn't know there was one that was available now. Yeah, there's one to get rid of it. It's there's a thing called the Play Memories app, which is something that you load on. It's kind of like a little app that you load onto your A7s, mm-hmm. and then through that app, you can actually load other apps. It's kind of like the master app. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, you can you can download a hacked version of that Play Memories app, and then that Play Memories app can access files, kind of secret files that are stored in your camera. Hmm. And it can change. They're like little preference files, mm-hmm. like little text files that have settings. Mm-hmm. And one of the settings is how, how long should you record before you stop. Oh, wow. And so it just writes that to whatever, like to infinite. Right. So. So a lot of people have done this. Um, I have to research whether it will void your warranty or whether it's undoable. Oh, right. 
right? Because you have not done this yet. You just you just heard about this. I've heard of it, but but every time my camera runs out at the thirty minute limit because I forgot, which right. happens all the time, it makes you want to just run out there and install this darn thing, right? Yeah, and just not worry about my warranty, right? Um, so I think, I think probably my cameras are getting pretty close to the end of their warranty anyway. Mm-hmm. So maybe I should just go for it. But uh. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you, you know, and I remember not too long ago, the GH4 was your B camera. That was your camera for your wide shots. It was. It was always. I took it along, and now it's and now it's my behind the scenes camera. Okay. So I usually I might have somebody else just shooting everything right with this thing on auto right, um, and the images are okay. In fact, a couple times I've used them because they they got shots that I didn't have my with my other cameras right, and it's okay to substitute them once in a while. It's kind of like in professional films. Sometimes you'll see GoPro shots right, or sometimes you'll see action cam shots or sure. But you don't see them for 30 minutes of the movie. You see it for like three seconds. Exactly. Just a, <laughs> just a quick cutaway and then, right. Yeah, there's a reason for that because the quality is not good enough. Sure. Um, so, yeah, just GH4 in some circumstances with a lot of light, beautiful. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but in even just kind of normal lighting, even at the fastest settings, normal room lighting, have to bump up the ISO and it is a little bit grainier. Yeah. That's yeah. that that's what I know it to be. Yeah. That's what, so, that's, that's what I yeah. know it to be. So that's just and everybody seems to talk about that part, especially with video. I'm not sure about the stills. Maybe it's different for the stills, but the videos that way. I know that for me for the GH one, the stills are are still really great. You know, uh-huh. you, you you don't you don't get as much grain in higher ISO, uh not as you do in video. Okay, uh, but uh, like I can shoot pretty comfortably in stills at 800 ISO and still have a you know nice picture. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Even a thousand can 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 do uh, pretty well, but you know don't think about going over 800 in video. That'll be you know that's that's a no no. Yeah, interesting. How yeah. there's just a different code path for those things it is it, it, it is it is strange so you know obviously micro four thirds is not dead but um but you know i think it all comes down to what products get the most support shows you where the trend is heading right mm-hmm. and, and so when, when i say that uh you know let, let's take our friends over at you know all the adapter companies, the you know the the Metabones, the uh, Photo Deox uh, folks. You know, boy, their you know their Sony adapters came out in like two seconds. <laughs> yes, right. But yes. but to get a Micro Four Thirds, that's usually the last thing on their on their plate. You know what can it really do? La 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 la. This and that. Yeah. So. It begs the question, is micro four-thirds dead? You be the judge. You be the judge. I have to say that probably Sony in the last couple of years has put a kind of a dent into it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree with that 100%. Yeah. They, they're pretty smart. They're pretty smart. I mean, you know, they, 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 know, they know what's happening, and you, you just have to be able to read the tea leaves. Mm-hmm. And my tea leaves are saying that Rodney... Leave the micro four thirds arena. <laughs> Leave it. Leave it. That's what it says. 
sauce. <laughs> anyway, hey, Keith, uh, another fantastic episode. We're going to close out uh, uh, this one, uh, this episode 33 here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, thanks a lot for uh, uh, for giving us all this great information, and uh, we greatly appreciate it. Let's share with the folks how they can keep up with the hijinks that is Rod and Keith. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can uh, keep up with us on our website, which is techmovepodcast.com. And uh, there uh, you can also support the podcast. Uh, well, actually, it's, I guess it's there. Keith, you want to explain a little bit about how they can help, how the good folks out there in podcast land can help us out? Yes. Um, so the people that don't want to hear the ad, just yeah, just shut off. Just turn off your podcast now. Just go to another <laughs> broadcast right. it's 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 over anyway we're, yeah. we're, we're just go to one of your competitors our right. competitors you know that's right they're out there but that's um right. but if you do want to support the co- podcast and you want to find out how to support the podcast we have an affiliation with amazon um so it's really easy if you go to our site there's links all over to click on it uh but if you want to just go directly to it uh, and bypass our site you just go to techmovepodcast.com slash amazon that will redirect you to Amazon, but it'll put a little cookie in the URL uh, automatically so that Amazon knows that you came for us and you came to give us credit on whatever you buy. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. And actually, it's, you know, if you buy something big, it's not insignificant. That's you know, right. Like, yeah. Like if you bought. Um, if you bought a Bentley off of Amazon, uh, if you, you, you if, can't imagine how that would help us. That would help us. That would get us through another couple days of air conditioning costs. <laughs> so. You know, we'd appreciate that. Yes, we would. Especially at the end of the our Indian summer, which gets a little warmer around yes, here. Yes, exactly. So, uh, yeah, so just go to techmovepodcast.com slash Amazon and, and buy everything. Buy your groceries, buy your Amazon Fresh, buy your Amazon pan, uh, Prime Pantry. Yep. Buy your Amazon whatever, you know, uh, you want your U, a UAV to deliver your stuff from Amazon. Just buy it through that link. Uh, I don't know what other Amazon. It, buy your Amazon Music, right through yeah, there. Yeah. Buy your Kindle books through there. Yeah. Uh, buy, buy your uh super glue refillables that you need. Refillables. Buy some gummy bears that you yep. want to clean your sensors with. <laughs> buy them on Amazon. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, we can also be reached on our Facebook page, which is Tech Move Podcast. We are also on Twitter. It's mm-hmm. at Tech Move Podcast. And uh, what else can they do? Um, that's about it, I think. I, I can't th- really think of anymore. We're we're pretty much everywhere, and we're, it's just, we're everywhere. Yeah, you just need to uh, wake the kids <laughs> and phone the neighbors and let them know Tech Move Podcast is in the house. So, uh, Keith, again, thank you so much for everything. You're welcome. Uh, another fantastic episode. Let's uh, let this uh, ship sail into the night. Uh, and we will come back with a n- brand new episode, more of the hijinks of Rod Louie and Keith Moreau. For Keith Moreau, I am Rod Louie. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us. This has been Tech Move. See you later. <laughs>